Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, you don't know it yet, but you are listening to History in the Making while you are listening to this show. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man, yet as mortal as his own. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Censored by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of The Rundown Live, Kristan T. Harris. Good morning, good afternoon, listeners around the world. I'm your host, Chris Dante Harris, and you're listening to The Rundown Live on KGRA Radio, Salt Lake City, Utah, Hudson Valley, New York. And I'm out of the studio here out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which if you haven't heard, uh, Wisconsin is the home to the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, football was a really important uh, part of our culture here in Wisconsin. And I, for the first time, got a chance to watch part of the game and I have to say, it looks like the Green Bay Packers will be going all the way. Uh, by that, I mean they will be going to the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, if they can beat Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. But I have a little bit of tribalism in me, but it comes bred in um, with you know the whole idea of sports and everything that comes with it. Uh, I won't deny that there is a lot. There's a lot of... Um, competitiveness and a lot of people say that there is tribalism but I can tell you that the whole idea of the sports um, it brings people together a lot of the times touchdowns uh, you know scoring winning it's a good feeling it's a good feeling it's the same reason why we have uh, great feelings when we accomplish things so sports I think is with the last frontier of good news left on the mainstream media meaning if you want good genuine news that's uh you know gives you good information and that uh makes you happy most people are waiting for the sports segment it's generally the sports and news is uh what is bringing together people the most and they're waiting for those scores unless their team loses then in that case since we we, we don't have a losing team in wisconsin uh, by the way, we have the Milwaukee Brewers who went to playoffs. We went to we have the Wisconsin Badgers who go to a bowl every year. We have the Green Bay Packers, which is in a small town, hometown owned by the local citizens team. And that's something that's different. Um, I keep asking myself, though, how long will it be until these humans in the sports arena 
get replaced with robots. Not that it's a bad thing, but there's going to be a new plethora of sports arising as the growing popularity of robots becomes a, a thing. We're starting to see stadiums when they're built to keep in mind drone racing. I guess that's going to be a big thing in the future. A lot of people believe that drone racing will be um, something that's going to, you know, legit, legit go out there and reach people. And they're going to be like, yeah, I want drone number seven to one. Maybe it's for gambling purpose. It's going to take take over the uh, the greyhound um, dog and the horse races. We're just going to have robot races with uh, drones. And I'll be honest, I, I'd be the first one to line up to to be a guest and do drone battles with a controller. And uh, or maybe in the future, we'll just have artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence will do the all the controlling for us um, for our robots, and it'll be how good you program, how good you program your robot, because uh, you know you'll just want to win. But nonetheless, I digress. Green Bay Packers um, looks like they're going to face Tampa Bay next week, and uh, I, you know I think that's uh, interesting all in of itself, all in of itself in sports. Has evolved with the pandemic. It was a little weird to finally see fans in the stands. That's right. We finally got to see people in the stands. Uh, and there was they, they said that they'd only invite 6,500. It looked for like quite a few more. And my question is, is why are they allowing fans in the stands for the playoffs? It's like, NFL, you've been a good boy. And since you've been a good boy, we're going to allow you to have fans in the stands. Not that it's any safer and that these aren't going to be a super spreader events like they like to call them if you're going to be a hypocrite. It's basically that since you worked lockstep and sinker just like the churches and you followed your 501c3 tax uh you know free government manual you are now allowed to stay open and you're allowed to have fans as where there's really no change if not the the whole um pandemic thing as far as people uh actually receiving the virus has gotten worse although deaths have curved greatly, and it's uh, exactly as we thought. The more people you test, the more people are going to get positive, but the more people you test, the lower the death percentages, which is way below pandemic levels. Like, we shouldn't be closed for anything right now because of the pandemic uh, of people getting sick. It's not causing pandemic death rates, which is something that we should take a look at now that it's 2020. Now, they're saying evolutions of this virus may cause us to shut down and everything else. And there's people out there that want to offer different potential cures for it. So that being said, not quite what I wanted to get into today. So I wanted to mention today's program, we're going to have a guest on, uh, Gennady Stoliarov uh, II, the president, president of the transhumanist party. Um, he's the head over there, and we're going to talk futurism and robotics and all the cool things that are coming across. Like, you know, how many people out there that are on the station listen to, let's say, or watched good old Star Trek movies or Star Wars fans? And we start looking at the technology that they had in those movies and those TV shows. It was almost like they knew what was coming across the, uh, you know, across the board in the future. Um, and I wonder how many of these visionary ideas were actually um, encouragement to people in the scientific community to go above and beyond to create something that the imagination um, brought up in and of itself. 
So, for example, in a, for example, think about Star Trek. What technology in the 50s and 60s and when they brought it back, I think in the late 70s, early 80s, because I think it only had two seasons and then it made its hit as a rerun. Maybe with the movies and everything else. But we saw the flip phone. Remember, they had the communicator. It made a little chinking, like, and he picked it up, and he's like, yeah, uh, Enterprise, we need to be beamed up. Uh, there's another technology. How long and how far are we from actually transporting and, uh, you know, disintegrating your body and rebuilding it on a, on a ship and doing a, you know, some kind of uh, transportation that's done digitally, and then they just reconstruct your uh, body on the other side of the transporter. You know, some of the technology is feasible, like the artificial intelligence ship that talks to you. You know, when he asks the ship everything, he's like, Enterprise. And Enterprise responds, get me so-and-so. Get me Spock. And he'll be like, okay. And then Spock would ring. Or they had the little the little icon for their logo that if you hit it, you it's a communicator. But teleportation... Uh, and all those different interesting ideas. A lot of them came from a lot of the sci-fi movies we love. We love, like uh, Star Wars. The idea of having our own spaceship flying through space at a gazillion miles an hour, being able to visit other planets and see that there's other species in life. All those ideas are wonderful. And they really grow ideas in our brain. And when we want to look at technology, a lot of times on the show... I focus on um, a lot of the ethical concerns because there are ethical concerns to look at. But uh, there are other concerns dealing with it. But the idea is, is if you wanted to live forever or if you could live forever, what would you do? What would you do at that time? I want to say today we're going to open the lines what would you do with the extra time of your life? I don't want to even say, like, uh, you could live forever. Let's say they could at least extend your life uh, another 100 years so you could live to be 200 years old or 300 years old. I'm not sure if the, if the breakthrough is absolute, but I believe it would be more incremental. But that's a question we can ask Gennady when he joins us at the top of the second hour. Um, like how, how long can we expect our life to be increased for people that are alive on this planet right now? What would you do with all that time? one 472 5483 If you want to call in, the phone number here at KGRA Radio is one 472 5483 And is the earth sustainable to have people live forever? When we start reading books like Ecoscience, where they talk about different ways of managing population, um, why? what will we do? Will some people be allowed to live longer, or is this going to be something that is going to be distributed uh, based on wealth and class, or is it something like Gennady uh, Stoliarov from uh, the Transhumanist Party? He wants to make sure that everyone has access to life extension technology. So we'll get into a lot of that. I'd like to hear from you guys. Good morning to the people in the chat. John, I see you in the chat. Um, if you look at the video from the 1950s, the people on camera talk about everything today, and they weren't far off. The people in Egypt were obsessed by it. Things haven't changed. Uh, the elites are. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All about it. I'm good with 70 years, John says. John in the chat says that he would be happy with living to be 70 years old. See, I would I would not mind living to be 180 if I can keep my meat suit in a good condition and looking somewhat like I do now. And uh, I would enjoy the opportunity to, let's say, read more books and feed my brain and become more intelligent, um, spend my time in the library. Imagine sitting in the library and having enough time to read every single book in there. And in the future, maybe with Elon Musk, they'll have some kind of machine where you'll just lay down like in the Matrix, which is another telling movie, and they'll be able to plug it into you and uh, download data right to your body so you can become as if you're God. Now, isn't that the the long saying, um, what is it, 322, uh, the popular segment from Skull and Bones that's often mentioned, and we're going to bring this up here, is uh, the Bible verse to show you that transhumanism in the biblical sense has always been an idea of uh, living forever. Um, Here it is, Genesis 3.22, and the Lord God said, Behold, man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take of the also of the tree of life and eat, he will live forever. Live forever. Hmm. Now, does that mean an individual man, or does that mean as in mankind? Now, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what kind of technology there is out there because there's a lot of information and a lot of talk about things going on. So, for example, right here it says transhumanist argues technology could end all human and animal suffering. Technology could one day be used to eliminate all feelings of pain and suffering within both humans and animals, according to one of the world's most prominent transhumanists. Speaking to the Express UK philosopher David Pierce, co-founder of the World Transhumanist Association, argued humans could phase out suffering for humans and other animals. The World Transhumanist Association, since renamed Humanity Plus, is the main international body that promotes transhumanist ideas worldwide. By the way, I want to mention Humanity Plus. That's another location where there's a lot of uh, people who are involved, much like the U.S. Transhumanist Party, but they seem to be gobbling up a lot of the other transhumanist movements. So just like a a device group of any other political organization, transhumanism is much based on science and scientific theory. However, there's a plethora of uh, 
different ideologies and viewpoints within the organization. A lot of people are conservative. They're into cryptocurrency. And, uh, and there's a lot of people that are into, you know, the bioethics, the uh, genetic engineering, CRISPR gene editing, uh, DNA splicing, post-genderism. There's all these different sects of viewpoints within the transhumanist party. So Humanity Plus tends to be a lot of the scientists, but tends to be super uber left leaning um, to where the point where we're looking at conversations on things like fully automated luxury communism. If you haven't researched fully automated luxury communism, the argument seems to be between fully automated luxury communism and fully automated luxury capitalism between the two sects and uh, what will win, the free market or a controlled uh, fully automated luxury communism market. We're not quite sure, but if you're not involved in the conversation, I encourage that you join the U.S. Transhumanist Party, specifically if you want to learn more. They're a great group of guys. There's a great diverse amount, and I'm a member of the U.S. Transhumanist Party. Not so much that I want to live indefinitely, but I want to be part of the conversation, uh, the ethics, and I want to be in the know. I love the futuristic stuff. It would be cool if I got a, like, let's say somebody, I was at a protest and I got you know, hit with the bat on the side and a broken rib and they could just wave a magic wand and I'd be fine, you know, 15 minutes later like they do in Star Trek. Now, I'm not saying that technology is here, but it's going to be. They're going to have nanotech that will be able to go in your body and fix and reconstruct just about anything that's wrong with you. We're talking animal cells, your human cells, animal cells keep you looking young, um, you know, kind of like Benjamin Button, maybe, where you can start to learn and regenerate and look younger. There's a lot of cool things. Imagine being able to grow your hair back. Let's start with the simple stuff. A bald guy like me would be twice as hot with a full head of hair, maybe, depending on the female or male or whatever you're into. Um, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, a great feature to be able to do some things like battle MS, to conquer cancer, to beat um Viruses such as the coronavirus and or, uh, you know, AIDS and all these different things. So. Here it is, um, they're talking about it, and you should know that Humanity Plus does a lot, does a lot for the transhumanist movement, but it's separate from organizations like the U.S. Transhumanist Party. They all have kind of their different ideas and groups, and some people are part of both, just like I'm a libertarian and a transhumanist party member. Um, there's people that have different viewpoints. But the British writer themselves uh, commented that the strand of transhumanism I am, I am most interested in is this idea that we can use biotechnology to phase out suffering via genetic engineering not just in humans, but also in non-human animals. Something like culture meat, cultured meat, for example, 20 years ago was science fiction, whereas now we're seeing the first products. You know, if you want to grow your meat in the lab, they're trying to say now they can do it. Um, of course, it's not going to be organic. It's going to be made from the same tissue and grown in a lab. It may even taste identical, but we won't have to kill animals anymore to make food. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Uh, all that suffering. The Transhumanist Party UK represents the mo movement politically in Britain as well. 
Mr. Pierce claimed that transhumanist movement has changed radically since he co-founded the World Transhumanist Association in 1998 with Nick Bostrom. He explained back in 1998, the, the human genome hadn't been decoded. Most talk of the superintelligence was of people taking smart drugs and radical life extension was still firmly in the realm of crank alley, meaning people thought it was ludicrous. The purely technical obstacles to transhumanism, I'd say, are diminishing. We are already seeing the very first controversial genome-edited babies in China. The New Yorker's magazine, headlighted from January, was A World Without Pain. Twenty years ago, that would have seemed like a utopian dreaming, according to the website Mr. Istvan, who is Zoltan, who we've had on the show, and I had the pleasure of meeting him and Gennady in Chicago for the uh, free and equal presidential debate, the first ones, which were very informational. If you guys want to find out more about transhumanism, go to thefreeandequal.org and watch the uh, second and first session of the Chicago first debate between independent party candidates running for president. It was fascinating to hear um, new solutions that aren't repeat and retold over and over again. These are people that are thinking outside of the box. Maybe instead of having to put animals uh, in the meat grinder and choosing uh, which butcher to use, they'll just grow the cells in a lab. And that might not sound appetizing to you, and I understand that. And there are certainly political tensions between many in the transhumanist movement that are between the right and the left. And obviously, uh, Zoltan is extremely shrewd. The ideas a few years ago that transhumanism could ever appeal to Republicans was just fantastical. And I may have been the very first conservative minded person to excuse me, to ever run as a candidate for the transhumanist party. And to show you even my own profile, you can go in and type in if you go to Google you type in, let's say my name, Kristan, K-R-I-S-T-A-N, Harris, and transhumanism. Um, they even gave me this Humanity Plus, and I was in, uh, you know, the local newspaper here in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Record, talking about this. And you can see that they, they have uh, my debates on there with the other candidates who are running. And basically, we discussed a plethora of uh, different viewpoints um, I ran on a very interesting platform for those of you who are interested in what I ran for because I've gotten a lot of emails on this. Believe it or not, um, for some reason, a lot of our listeners are hesitant and scared of the idea of transhumanism. And I'm going to tell you, um, I'm becoming more of an optimist the more I meet good people within the movement. By that, I mean people that are uh, very ethical conscious about what they're doing, not somebody who is... Uh, doesn't care about the end or how they get to the end, but they're they're more interested in maintaining integrity throughout the process. But uh, that being said, hey, it looks like they took it down. 
It look, very well be or there. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're having update issues on the official party website. So, anyways. Maybe it was moved over to the H pluspedia, which is like the Wikipedia. And there I am. That my ugly mug and and yeah, so basically it has a lot of the things that I ran on the platform, my USTP profile page, which is right here, which is by the way deleted. It looks like from the transhumanist party page, which I'm not surprised. Um, I would have to see if the rest of the candidates are removed at all as well, but I wouldn't be surprised that they would try to. Uh, do some remodeling on the website. It's been around for a while. And if we go and we click on some of these other candidates here who gave their um, viewpoints, such as, yep, it looks like everyone's missing. So it isn't like something anyone targeted. They're just doing remodeling. So anyways, I ran on a different platform, mostly on how we can get our privacy back with technology. So one of the many cool things that is up there is uh, cryptography, dealing with our internet signal, dealing with... Um, our cable internet. So if you want to get your data back, don't you own your metadata? I want you to think about that. Do you own your data? And other people are taking and making a ridiculous money off of your data. They're stealing or making you sign away one of your most lucrative assets and that's what you do what you think and how you think in your data your internet search history things you say on facebook th places you go after facebook uh wh where you buy what you shop for what you don't shop for what you're interested what you're not what you're researching and what you're not and what the overall identity is of you online and they're really interested in those things you can take a look at things like cambridge analytica which used up to 5,000 points of data on every American citizen to influence the election in 2016. And I'm sure some new company that does basically the same thing did it here in uh, 2020, obviously. We saw, with the exception, with a, with a little help with the rigging there, because there's no way that Bernie Sanders went from first to worst in the Democratic National um you know, convention there when they were running and debating. You had Bernie Sanders and a bunch of people ahead of Joe Biden. And then one day he went from worst to first. And Bernie Sanders was like, oh, and then he stepped down. And, uh, you know, he went from first to worst and Biden from worst to first. And one day no one was like, 
You know, delegates don't matter anymore. Let's just, you know, whatever the establishment of candidate is, let's pick that guy. You know, anyone to beat Trump. We don't care the process, if he's elected or if he's not elected and the proper procedures are in place. In fact, let's just skip all those. We'll just give it to Joe Biden, who nobody really wants publicly, and he'll be the DNC candidate. Because I wonder how many liberals out there are wondering if Bernie Sanders could be a president. Because if sleepy Joe Biden can beat uh, Donald Trump, couldn't a Bernie Sanders at that same thought process? And the real fraud is not that there's so much fraud, is that the election was rigged from the get-go because Joe Biden shouldn't have even been the candidate. I've never seen anything where the three people leading in the uh, you know primary of a DNC or RNC all drop out for the candidate that's in fourth so he can have a shot at being president. That's just not how it works. Well, maybe they're being good and anti-tribal people. You know, they just really mean well, and they knew that the, that the system said that Joe Biden could beat Donald Trump. And yeah, right. Did you see Andrew Yang was drawing? In fact, every one of those three candidates drew more people and had more excitement than Joe Biden. But I think that the problem is, is with uh, maybe Bernie Sanders may have not beaten Donald Trump because of the fact that. He had a very uh, he had Marxist socialist undertones, and I think that would have been exposed, especially with some of the stuff that was coming out of his camp. But that being said, I'm going to be back with your calls. I would love to hear from you guys. If you guys want to call in to the Rundown Live, we're live on KGRA Radio. The phone number here is one eight five five four seven two. 5483. Please save that on your cell phone. Please call in. We're here daily. 1-855-472-5483. And I see the YouTube algorithms are working hard to prevent us from getting this out there. Normally we have a bunch of people in the chat, but they, they're not letting people know that we're live anymore um, as much. I've been talking to people like, yeah, we don't we're, we're subscribe to live alerts. We're just not getting them. So you guys are going to just have to go and check when we're live forward slash the rundown live forward slash the rundown live we'll be back after this message from our sponsors on kgra radio i'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to so i like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week recently i started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad i couldn't even lift the weights when i was complaining about it to a friend he told me about angioprim he said chelation helps remove toxins heavy metals and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages you know after just one week of taking angioprim the pain was gone and now i'm back in the gym full strength Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll-free at 945-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. That's 945-882-7221. Or go to the website, angioprim.com. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com Our CBD is made from hemp and has .003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take. What does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading 
you'll want to log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Permanent industrial glue impossible to remove? Not anymore. Because Handyman Formula by D-Bond is a patented chemical adhesive remover. It's used in the building and home maintenance industry, but now it's available for your home use, for your DIY projects. Unglue stickers, silicone rubber, labels, price tags, flex tape, weather stripping, carpet glue, wood glue, liquid nails, even 3M5200. And it dissolves graffiti. Yeah, graffiti. Handyman Formula by D-Bond works, and it's safe to use on most surfaces, no need to call a professional. Don't get out the pliers and blowtorch. Just apply a little Handyman Formula by D-Bond and wait 90 seconds, then quickly and easily pull the items apart. Get unstuck. Visit DBondHandymanFormula.com. That's DBondHandymanFormula.com or call 561-575-4200. Handyman Formula by D-Bond. Mainstream media's most wanted. KGRARadio.com Censored by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of The Rundown Live, Kriston T. Harris. And we're back from break on KGRA Radio. I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris. And today's topic we'll be talking about greatly is technology, futurism, transhumanism. Um, our guest is going to be Gennady Stoliarov II from uh, the Transhumanist Party. And he'll be here to talk about a plethora of different things for many of you that have never heard of transhumanism or maybe even the very first time you've heard of this term was during... Um, some of the controversial news last year, but it isn't as fringe as people think or used to once think the idea of us having like, you know, swapping out body parts is not a new idea. I mean, people get pacemakers, they get, uh, you know, hearts from bamboos and whatever, and they have them implanted. And some people get real hearts and kidney transplants. Now imagine if we can have ones that are uh, like never stop. They're robotic. And instead of dying, you put in a robot heart. I don't know at one point, at what point do you lose your soul and you become a Borg or maybe uh, it's in consciousness and within your brain. And as long as your brain's intact and able to self-repair, you're fine. I guess these are questions for Gennady when he joins us. By the way, you're listening to the Rundown Live, rundownlive.com. You can find us on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher. Uh, right now we're streaming live on KGRADB.com, the app, as well as uh, on the radio, KGRARadio.com, TuneInRadio.com, 
and others. If you want to get in the chat forward slash the rundown live, if you want to see Gennady's beautiful face, I think he's going to give us video. He'll be joining us to talk about all these different technologies and different things that are coming out. But, uh, you know, technology has really uh, affected our life. Even look at things like at the, a lot of the events I've been at. So for a lot of you that don't know, I'm a protest journalist and I cover a plethora of events. I try to be unbiased and I'm not the only one at the Rundown Live. First of all, there's people of all different viewpoints within the Rundown Live. Some of them are right. Some of them are left. Some of them are centric. And we all get along for the most part, except for obviously uh, from time to time. Um, some people feel like uh, they want to air their grievances on a rundown live. I don't do that. I don't support it. Other though, otherwise, uh, from time to time, I do make some good points on there. Um, it is interesting to me to see how facial recognition is playing a part in the Capitol arrests. I think that is fascinating to me. And looking at how they are using all the different live stream and recorded video that has been uploaded. Keep in mind, when I was in D.C., I couldn't I couldn't stream live to bring you guys news until I got to the Capitol building. Everything else was recorded uh, just because I don't know if it's uh, that there was 400,000 to 500,000 people there that, uh, you know, that is what made it hard. But, you know, if it was a Packer game, we would all have cell phone signal, right? We'd all be able to stream live and do our thing. But uh, once I got close to the Capitol building, the streaming seemed to turn on immediately, like it was boosted for everyone there to for them to be able to view and go after people that committed crimes. And that's one big thing, one of the big things about facial recognition um, and cameras and doing and using your videos for evidence. We don't know what the rules are. So if you have evidence, a lot of times, um, let's say a mainstream media outlet will often buy it and it's what they call shelving evidence. So this way, maybe somebody that they are fond of would not be prosecuted of a crime and they would buy those videos and then they would shelve them and not allow them out. This happens all the time. I guess I found that out recently. I didn't even think of that uh, until I sat down with the Washington Post a couple of weeks ago, which is a leftist uh, uh, news source. When I've been, It seems like I've been working mostly with the left. Uh, probably because I did about six months of coverage of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the third precinct burning down, as well as covering uh, the, the show in Kenosha that went out there, as well as you know marching with BLM in Milwaukee for 12 days, um, covering the events so that the local community could, that was passionate about what was happening. Because I think, let's be honest, uh, everyone would like people to be held accountable for murder. And it doesn't mean if you're wearing a badge or not. Badges don't grant extra rights. Okay, so that comes into my question on ethics, on how facial recognition is being used. And um, maybe we need to get on this guy from Denver who's actually getting laws passed to ban facial recognition so law enforcement can't use it and ask why that is. Um, because there's a overall mindset these days. If you don't do anything wrong, there's nothing to worry about, right? Uh, but as a lawyer in New York wrote, I don't know if you knew this, the average American commits three felonies a day. That's three felonies a day because there's so many laws on the books we don't know, meaning laws in majority are just randomly enforced. And any one of us could end up with a felony at any time. It doesn't matter if you have a badge or not, badge or not. 
But uh, I am interested in seeing how differently they are handling the Capitol protest, which I was at as a reporter. Um, I wasn't there protesting, although I do sympathize with uh, the right as I did with the left. The left was protesting because they weren't listened to for years and years and years about police brutality and police killing um, African-Americans without due process. They're just, you know, not just Americans in general are dying because of police uh, and non-due process. If you look at the statistics and uh, specifically the George Floyd's incident stood out and people just wanted to be listed and wanted something to be done about the issue. And that's just it. Now, the left, which we started to get into a little bit earlier on how Bernie Sanders went from first to worst, should know that the whole election was rigged just based off that notion that, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, who was largely in lead with the delegates and the whole process was thrown out because a republic voting does not work and we need a democracy. And uh, they literally got the, the top three candidates to step down and endorse Joe Biden. How? I don't know, but they got all those electoral votes and it doesn't seem real legit to me. That's called rigged. That's a rigged election. That is a rigged primary in the DNC. Now, those same individuals don't seem to be a lot, be okay. They seem like they're completely fine with the fact that uh, the primary was rigged. And uh, just as long as Donald Trump was gotten out of office. But I'm saying, hey, hey, hey slow down. Wait a minute. Uh, the, the right has some legit concerns when it's come to election fraud. They didn't even look the, in the Senate hearings. They didn't even look at majority of the evidence of any of it, they said. And they're saying they didn't say that there wasn't a fraud or that there wasn't fraud that may have impacted the election in uh, one way for one candidate or another, just that there's red tape and they can't look at it. And so on the right, people are upset because of this. These are the facts. So if you're in the left, you're like, oh, there's no fraud. You're listening to the lamestream media. The reason why people tune into weird shows like Q or do the forum stuff and go to 4chan and 8chan is because the mainstream media has failed to do its job to be unbiased and has become so far to the left that uh, people on the right no longer trust anything in the mainstream media, even from Fox News, which, by the way, uh, we've been aggravated. By just about to show you that there's work and process of people trying to get more unbiased news out there. We've been aggregated by just about every major mainstream publication on both the right and the left. Uh, and that there is a process of good people trying to restore credibility within the mainstream media. But since there's this lack of trust in the mainstream media, and it's not because of Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump uh, exposed exposed the corruption very well. That's one of the things he did do is he showed us all the problems with our system. Um, and maybe, again, things like blockchain voting for presidential primaries and cryptocurrency uh, for banking is a future endeavor that may be a solution in the futuristic category. And um, But the main point here is the right feels like they haven't been listened to because nobody even bothered to look at the evidence of the fraud for their candidate. So obviously to people who've been learning through education and uh, through programs that have not been mainstream media for years and years and years, everyone is ready on the right to have this like confrontation to take back the republic because of the fact that they're not being listened to on the right.
But in reality, the left isn't being listened to either because he had Bernie Sanders go from first to worst, and you'd think that both parties would be upset. But all of a sudden, overnight, all these ACAB, you know, lefties have become bootlicking cop lovers, quote, that's their quote, not mine, what they would call people who were on the right and were supporting of the cops. And now a lot of the people on the right are no longer supporting police. We saw that at the clash in D.C. And the left is jumping on it. Oh, look at those terrorists. And in reality, if it was uh, the left that was there during the George Floyd incident doing this, they would have called it a mostly peaceful protest. And I can tell you D.C.'s protest was not as bad as Kenosha. Although more people have died at the D.C. protest, which is a police officer died the next day because he got hit by a head by a fire extinguisher. Allegedly, that's the reason why. I haven't seen the autopsy if there was an allergic reaction like a lot of the other people may have had to the tear gas and whatever the ingredients they were spraying at people. Uh, three people died, I believe, due to allergic reaction, and one person was shot unarmed by the police. And you would think that the ACAB lefties would have been up in arms about this, but no, no, ACAB uh, lefties are like, yeah, go police, put them in jail. They're terrorists. Oh. But we're seeing how the mainstream media once again is becoming discredited by literally uh, framing, framing the story in an unrealistic way that this was like a Pearl Harbor and justifying 20,000 troops. No, you guys want to know what a police state looks like? Go look at Washington, D.C. right now with 20,000 National Guard. Well, it's needed because people might go shoot the cap. We've had, I mean, they had one person show up that tried to get through uh, security, and allegedly he had explosives. And I'm going to say allegedly this person was there to bomb things. I wouldn't doubt that the FBI talked the guy into it. As you know, 17 of 21 actual terrorist plots were hatched by the FBI. They talked somebody into doing it. And that's not my words. That's the New York uh, Post's words there, the leftist media, who is letting us know that a lot of times they, they come up with these ideas and think tanks and they try to find people willing to do it if the occasion arose itself and they say, go do it. And then they let them know that they're coming and they arrest them for doing what they're, you know, what they were literally conned into doing. So that being said, Neither the right nor the left is actually being listened to. We got some, um, like, they had some uh, actual revisions done in Minneapolis, and obviously they have their citizen police over there now, which, by the way, made the news because somebody killed somebody as a citizen police officer or whatever their new police form is over there. I have to research more and see how that's working over there and how it's working for Minneapolis, if it's improved or not. But uh, we got to take a look and see, you know, does that actually work? I mean, if they're if the police officer is going to shoot you, somebody that's armed is going to shoot you. What's the difference? Right. Um, But uh, we could look at privatizing police. Maybe robot police will be the answer. How would you guys feel about that? You get pulled over by a robot cop on a motorcycle, comes out and goes, 
It's like Terminator cop, except for, you know. Uh... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No He's not going to actually judge you based on the color of your skin. He's going to judge you based on reading your body um, language. A police robot would probably know if you're lying or not to him, right? Um, it would be able to tell by nervous reactions, heartbeat, and a whole lot of other telltale signs on whether or not that you're lying. So the benefits of uh, robot policing may be that uh, police officers are no long, longer involved. We could get rid of the pe- prejudice behind police officers we're seeing and by having more drones which is what they're talking about uh in fact almost everyone is going to get their own drone in the future if you don't believe me there's an article about this drones to follow americans at night here it is, NBC News. We'll put it on the screen for you guys forward slash to run down live on YouTube. By the way, I want to say what's up to the people in the chat. Make sure you like, subscribe. Here it is. Small drones will be allowed to fly over people. And at night in the United States, the Federal Aviation Administration said on Monday, this is December 29, 2020, as a significant step towards their use for widespread commercial uh, you know, deliveries. But my question is, if they're already using facial recognition on, uh, you know, normal posts, you don't think they're going to use facial recognition and all these convenience drones like the UPS drone and Federal Express drone or Little Caesars pizza drone or Amazon drone. And how long will it be till somebody hacks one of these things so they can just, yeah, I'll take that big screen TV that you're dropping off, Mr. Drone. Thank you. But, of course, they're going to be able to have that facial recognition and they'll be able to acknowledge you. Now, they're, now, this is pretty interesting because small drones, according to NBC News, small drones will be allowed to fly over people at night in the United States, the FAA said on Monday. That's the Federal Aviation Administration. A significant step toward their use for widespread commercial deliveries. The FAA said its long-awaited rules for the drones, also known as unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, will address security concerns by requiring remote identification technology, in most cases to enable the identification from the ground. Previously, small drone operations over people were limited to operations over uh, Operations over people who were directly participating in the operation located under 
under the covered structure and inside the stationary vehicle unless operators had obtained a waiver from the FAA. The rules will take effect 60 days after the publication in the Federal Register in January. Drone manufacturers will have for 18 months to get, begin producing drones with remote idea, and operators will have an additional year to provide remote idea. So uh, John in the chat says, Everything in China is now coming here to America. The drone and artificial intelligence will be your SS card. That's your straw man. First, they will replace police with it. Why we have a why we have a war on police now? Part of the reason. Well, I mean, is that a good question? Is the reason why we have this escalated war on police because of the fact? that we have drones and robotics ready to come about. And I think that's really cool because I think it would be neat to be able to order something and have it delivered within an hour, within 45 minutes. If you're close enough to the drone uh, delivery center, it might deliver to you right away. But the idea of them following you at night with facial recognition, mm, I mean, there, there's that pan off. So policing by drone I think is becoming more of a reality. I remember when drones still first came out because Mike and I were talking about it on the rundown live, maybe uh, six years ago where we would talk about how uh, policing and drone policing is the future. That's what they want. And that their Congress signed bills allowing in 2012, I believe 30,000 drones over the American um, uh, over over land of America and people would be like, oh, you are ludicrous, you crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. And here it is in news that you're going to start delivering VI drone, which is way cool. Uh, by the way, um, I don't know how warm that pizza would be coming from the sky, but maybe they'd have like a heated box attached to the bottom of the drone. Either way, technology can be a very wonderful thing. But when we start looking at like things like um, the night scope, K, was it K7? And we put that on the screen here. Night scope is one of those policing companies that's building Robocop. In fact, I made a satirical commercial about it and how Nightscope will be a robot that will have cell uh, stingray technology built right in, which will collect your metadata illegally, which they're still doing via Hailstorm and Stingray when the police um, are at things like at D.C. or Kenosha or the 3rd Precinct in Minneapolis. They literally redirect all your cell phone data to some kind of black box that prioritizes and uses algorithms from artificial intelligence to police. It's pretty fascinating. Um, other than that, they're violating your Fourth Amendment right and illegally wiretapping you without a warrant. But uh, this is just the beginning because we're going to get into this whole thing here. So now let's say we have AI police robot, which is cool. We have a vehicle and or a stand-up Dalek-looking thing. Here's a, a couple different versions of it and I'm putting on a screen. One of these Nightscope robots, in fact, two of them, look essentially just like a Dalek from Doctor Who. 
I'm a big Doctor Who fan, too. Um, when I was young, uh, I would used to uh, get babysat by who is now my uncle, and he was dating my mom's sister. And we would watch Doctor Who, and he'd have all these old VHS tapes of the first Doctor and the second Doctor. And I kind of fell in love with the third Doctor. I don't know uh, as far as uh, the Doctor Who series, the guy with the fluffy hair and the fourth Doctor. And the Doctor Who, the Doctor is a guy who has is an alien and has two hearts, and he's a time traveler. So it's all about this guy that gets into a TARDIS, which is a blue phone booth. And when you walk into the TARDIS, it's immaculately huge. It's big and it's large in there, larger in the inside than it looks on the outside, if you can imagine. It would be like having a pocket with endless depths in it, and you can put as much stuff in your pocket, but your pockets wouldn't bulge. Um, anyways, he would travel the universe in this TARDIS, right? And these, one of his main nemesis are called Daleks. And I'm curious if the reason why they uh, picked this design to be one of the police robots that looks like a Dalek is we recognize that as a authority figure due to programming. Exterminate, exterminate exterminate and doctor who i don't know if it still is a big show it was a big show uh growing up and it's interesting because robots aren't the only way in the legal system uh the the, the only way the legal system is changing the legal system is also getting artificial intelligent lawyers that's right ai lawyers if i look this up and it's it's a good thing very cool things artificial Intelligent lawyers tickets. And if we pull up the news, Because there's AI lawyers, and essentially what it does is it helps people get out of tickets, and it knows all the loopholes because there's all these laws, and essentially it's there to select data and find data and legitimately get you off of tickets. How cool would that be? Um, here, five lawyer bots you can try now. Here, right there's a website. You can literally um, hire a robotic lawyer. The world's first robot lawyer, now available in all 50 states, Verge Magazine. That's three years ago, I remember, because I was writing about this. And it says, what can I help you with? And you literally can type what you're looking for help with. A chatbot that provides free legal counsel using artificial intelligence is now available in all 50 states. Starting today, this is following the success in New York, Seattle, and the UK, where it was invented by British entrepreneur Joshua Bowder. Bowder calls his invention the world's first robot lawyer, estimates that the bot has helped defeat 700 or 375,000 parking tickets in a span of two years. That's right. Artificial intelligence literally literally has helped you beat parking tickets. 375,000 people uh, were able to get out parking tickets because of artificial intelligent lawyer, because AI may be able to find loopholes and find um, ways to get around that that are indisputable. Browder, a junior at Stanford University, tells Verge that via Twitter that his chatbot could potentially experience legal repercussions from the government, but he is more concerned with competing with lawyers. The legal industry is more than $200 billion industry, but I'm excited 
to make a law free, uh, to make the law free, says Browder. Some of the biggest law firms can't be happy. Browder believes that the chatbot could also save government officials time and money. Everybody can win, he says. I think government's a waste. A huge amount of money employed people to read parking tickets and appeals. Do not pay, which is the name of the website, do not pay sends it to them in a clear and easy-to-read format. That's right. Artificial intelligent lawyers are on their way. By the way, guys, if you're in the chat forward slash rundown live on YouTube, I appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that like and share button, subscribe. If you're following me right now on D Live and Twitch and the multiple other platforms on the rundown live, make sure that you guys subscribe to get our notifications as well as visit us on uh, Facebook and many other platforms. I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris, and we'll be back after this message with our sponsors, with our guests, Gennady Stolilov the second. Please listen. Now is not the time to fear. When your immune system is strong, shields up. You have very little worries. If your immune system is compromised, you're susceptible to all viruses. I say shields up and no fear. Try HeartLove from GetTheTea.com. HeartLove has a special ingredient called allicin comes from the healing part of the garlic plant. No garlic breath, no garlic leaking out your pores, just pure immune building ingredients that gets your shields up. Heart Love is a unique blend of herbs that loves to build you up. Google garlic and know the benefits. One Heart Love pill is equal to 20 cloves of garlic. 20 cloves. Shields up. You've heard of our life change cleansing tea at getthetea.com. Now try Heart Love. And by the way, take your blood pressure and watch weekly what happens. So here's how to purchase. Log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com and build your shields. That's getthetea.com. Mention Ray in the coupon code and hit apply and receive free shipping. A birthday without her mom. An anniversary without her husband. Her wedding day without her dad. These are the days when military families feel it most of all. The loss of their soldier, their sailor, their airman, their Marine, their Coast Guardsmen. Families never forget their loved ones lost to war or illness or suicide. Families never forget. And neither do we. We are TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. We provide resources, support, and comfort to heal the hearts and meet the needs of grieving military families, all at no cost to them. Your generosity can make an enormous difference in the lives of the families of our fallen military heroes. Our military families need to know they are not alone and they are not forgotten. Show them your support at TAPS.org. When you're in the house for longer periods of time, you can see them flying or running across the floor. Ooh, yuck. They're unhealthy, gross, and disgusting. Bugs. I loathe bugs. We keep a clean home, but occasionally bugs show up. Well, I found something that is tougher than bugs. Orange Guard. On contact, it kills hidden bugs, including ants, roaches, and fleas. Plus, Orange Guard is a residual repellent. All of the ingredients of Orange Guard are on the FDA generally recognized as safe list. 
Orange Guard may be used around food, humans, and pets. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Orange Guard, available at orangeguard.com, Whole Foods, and Ace Hardware. The Liberator Rocket Heater will heat your home for free. The highly efficient Liberator Rocket Heater has no moving parts. It's safe and strong, constructed of quarter-inch steel. So like all things made in the USA, it's built to last. Uses any kind of wood, sticks, even scrap in its gravity-fed firebox. And it heats workshops, homes, garages, outbuildings, industrial areas, and barns. Watch the video of this blast furnace stove in action. Visit rocketheater.com. That's rocketheater.com. Is that who I think it is? Yep, sure is. Did you hear he ditched the man cave and brought back the study? That's so sexy. (sighs) I love it when a man is educated and informed. He is so dreamy. Always reading books and investigating history. Where do you think he works out? The library. (laughs) (laughs) He is so controversial, always talking about 9-11 being an inside job, the police state, constitutional rights, ancient history, government cover-ups, and how he thinks sports don't matter in real life. Oh, I love a free thinker who searches for truth. I love it when he feeds my brain. Mm. What's his name? Kristan T. Harris. (laughs) Tune in to The Rundown Live with Kristan T. Harris, Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern on KGRADB.com. Now you have the inside contact for Alternative Talk Radio. The Planet, KGRARadio.com. by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of The Rundown Live, Kristen T. Harris. Good morning, good afternoon. I'm your host, Kristen T. Harris, and we're back from break here, and we're listening to The Rundown Live on KGRA Radio, KGRA Salt Lake City, Utah, Hudson Valley, New York, and we're here out of our studio in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to give a quick shout-out to Bill, our producer, who always does a great job bringing us in in the outros and taking care of the guests. And today, um, I was very happy uh, to get this guest on. I've been trying to get him on for a long time. And he's a very influential individual involved in the transhumanist party. And I think it's really important that you guys hear his message and get involved in things like transhumanism. Uh, Because there's growing debates and a lot of the ethical debates and uh, ideas and wonderful processes of planting ideas in our minds to grow these ideas is happening right now. And I want to say welcome to Gennady Stoliarov, the second chairman of the Transhumanist Party. How are you doing today, sir? Welcome to the show. I am doing very well, Kristan. Thank you very much for having me on The Rundown Live. Absolutely. So so for our listeners out there, um, I've been kind of trying to give them the diet version of what transhumanism is. Uh, why don't you go into the depth for our listeners who may not know uh, what transhumanism is other than it has trans in it. Some people are like, trans what? Transhuman? What is that? Uh, and uh, they are, they're not quite sure. And they, they just might not know. And it's really not such a frightening topic as some people might think. 
and I think that you're really great at explaining it. Indeed. It's not a frightening topic at all. Indeed, the prefix trans is just Latin for beyond uh, or going beyond. So transhumanism goes beyond the historic limitations of the human condition. And it uses science and technology as well as rational philosophy in order to do that. So really, every human being since the Paleolithic era was to some extent an implicit transhumanist because humans have used tools. Humans have used various forms of advanced communication in order to extend their potential beyond what our primitive hunter-gatherer ancestors were able to achieve. And really life in the state of nature, as Thomas Hobbes put it, was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And we've created an advanced technological civilization in order to live longer, in order to cure many diseases, in order to have a much higher material standard of living than most of our ancestors could even have dreamed of. So transhumanism as an explicit philosophy and movement recognizes a set of emerging technologies on the horizon that can finally achieve victories against some of the age-old enemies of humankind that have been with us since our early history, though we have won significant victories against them. Uh, they unfortunately still plague us today. We are literally living through a, a plague right now, the COVID-19 pandemic, but even without a pandemic, human beings have had to contend with death and disease and bodily deterioration, as well as material scarcity, poverty, war, the suboptimalities of our own human psyches, to which no human is immune right now. So transhumanism seeks to transcend these vulnerabilities using science and technology to live longer lives, to live healthier lives, to live more prosperous lives. Transhumanists seek to advance biotechnology, nanotechnology, artificial intelligence, automation, space colonization, vertical farming, and a large number of other approaches. For instance, innovations in governance, such as seasteads, are part of the transhumanist project. So transhumanism is a worldview that recognizes the possibility and the importance of scientific and technological progress. And in this sense, transhumanism very much aligns itself with long-standing philosophical traditions within Western history. For instance, the tradition of Aristotelian logic, or the Renaissance, or the Age of Enlightenment. And transhumanism takes these further because... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because now we have the tools to not just think rationally about the human condition, but also to transform it for the better. And that doesn't mean we reject humanity. That doesn't mean we hate humanity. It means we love humanity enough to seek to alleviate the suffering of humans and enable humans to keep and expand upon everything that is good about us while overcoming everything that keeps us down everything that hurts us, everything that limits our potential. That is transhumanism in a nutshell. That's fascinating. For a lot of the listeners out there, we have a lot of uh, you know, Star Trek nerds, Doctor Who nerds, and there's a lot of amazing technology coming down the, the way, especially when it comes to colonization. We keep hearing that we're going to Mars, and why not start at the moon? But like, uh, we're, we're, we're making headway at actually trying to be an interplanetary species and going places that were never available to us and maybe even colonizing and making it a uh, you know an Eden of sorts, like a Garden of Eden where we can uh, start branching out and having life there and this, uh, you, under a dome of sorts to, to, to live there, to work, to mine, to have great new uh, opportunities of starting new businesses. In fact, the whole idea of technology has a great aspect of entrepreneurship, and many people are getting involved. It's kind of like uh, 1990 before we had Amazon and Bitcoin. There's a lot of ingenuity and great ideas and different ways people can contribute and get involved in something like transhumanism. Uh, I, I was just reading to our audience about a robot lawyer, AI ro- lawyer that's uh, got 375,000 tickets can. And of course, the local police aren't happy about this, but we'll be replacing them with robots because robots are prejudiced anyways, uh, you know, at least that I've seen. And there's a lot of wonderful potential uh, with the technology. But um, let's start with um, the idea of living longer. What is like what do you think is the realistic potential of that? Do you think just living longer, I guess, like like the idea is that we can live forever as long as we want and just change out body parts as long as we don't get in an accident or something fatal doesn't happen to us, which is a great idea because if I was sick and my heart was going and I could get robot heart and I could pump in another couple hundred years out of that heart, I'd be happy to do so. And I'm seeing a lot of these reports saying that people could live to be up to 500 years old that are alive today. Um, What is the process and how close are we to at least maybe even extending life an additional 50 to 100 years, not living eternally like a lot of this the goal, but more so just getting getting the ability to live longer. There's many different ways to do this too, correct? I know that's a two-phase question. Yes, and significant life extension is one of the core ideals of the U.S. transhumanist party. It's also one of the major pursuits of the transhumanist movement. Most transhumanists believe that we have at least a fighting chance of achieving significant life extension in our lifetimes through the progress of science and technology. And indeed, there are several possible routes to take. I think they will be taken 
in parallel and in synergy with one another. So, of course, the biotechnological route is the one that immediately comes to mind because if you can rejuvenate the cells of the body and repair the aging-related damage that accumulates over time, then you essentially turn back the biological clock. And so it's quite conceivable in the next several decades that people will go in for a periodic set of rejuvenation therapies that repair the various kinds of damage. The various kinds of damage have been identified and known for a long time. Aubrey de Grey has formulated his SENS approach. SENS stands for Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence. And the SENS approach essentially identifies seven types of damage within and outside of cells that constitutes biological aging. And if this damage can be repaired, we don't even have to uh, fully control the metabolic processes that bring the damage about, as long as we can reverse it every now and then, that gives people time. And the longer people live, the more medical knowledge there will be, the more reliable the therapies will be for reversing biological aging. So if you experience the first set of treatments, maybe they will not be perfect, but they will help you live a bit longer, enough to the next set of treatments, and so forth, except every subsequent iteration of treatments is going to be actually more efficacious and may make you even biologically younger. So consider, for instance, the mortality rate of a typical 25-year-old. It's not that high. And if you live a fairly careful lifestyle, you avoid reckless risk-taking, you look both ways before you cross the street, you're probably going to survive to the next year. You're probably going to survive for the next 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. And if everyone is in that situation, mortality rates are going to plummet. Moreover, there will be no fixed upper bound to lifespan. Right now, what is experienced as the maximum lifespan is the result of senescence or biological aging, aging at the cellular level. There are certain conditions like senile systemic amyloidosis that can't be overcome yet using contemporary knowledge, but scientists are working on it. So Aubrey de Grey has an estimate that there is about a 50% probability of reaching longevity escape velocity in the next 17 years or so with proper funding. And that's the major caveat. There need to be billions more dollars of funding per year uh, put into these approaches. But provided that we have the proper funding, our generation and hopefully the generation before ours will have the opportunity to live to a time when for every additional year they live, their life expectancy increases by more than one year, which essentially means they will be getting biologically younger. Now, there are other technologies that could also contribute to this. For instance, nanotechnology. Imagine having nanorobots circulating in one's bloodstream and repairing this damage to cells 
as it happens. So one might not even have to go into a clinic eventually. One would just have these repair mechanisms that complement the body's natural repair mechanisms. Also, there have been advances in artificial parts, uh, artificial prosthetics that are actually functional, for example. And there have been advances in artificial hearts that can keep a patient alive for longer. They're still nowhere nearly as good as a biological heart, but that may change in the future. So imagine there's a heart disease patient, and instead of living with a damaged heart that could fail at any moment, that patient could get a replacement robotic heart that would be quite reliable. That is a realistic possibility within the next several decades. Another technology is 3D printing. 3D printing can be used both on inanimate objects, as we know, and on biological tissues. So there have been already achievements in 3D printing certain simpler body structures, hollow organs uh, without a lot of vasculature, for instance, windpipes. So there have been patients whose lives have been saved by 3D printed windpipes. And in the future, hopefully, there will be an ability to 3D print more complex organs, for instance, kidneys or lungs. Uh, there have already been miniature models of 3D printed human hearts created. So I do think with further research, it would even be possible to 3D print an organic human heart. So all of these are options for living dramatically longer for repairing the damage to the body, either at the microscopic cellular level or replacing an entire organ that fails with a biological version or an artificial version. I find what you had to say there pretty fascinating. The idea that you could have these nano robots and you repairing tissue at real time, it kind of reminds me similar of the comic book x-men where wolverine has damage done to his body but you see him slowly uh get his health back and the nanobots are fixing him uh at least that, that's where my imagination goes and then you have the other options that people are working on which are like the luke skywalker robotic arm where you literally could just replace your robotic limbs or your limbs with robotic parts i'm seeing that on tiktok which is a really cool thing that uh, you know, women and men, they have uh, missing limbs are replacing with robots, robotic limbs, and they're showing that they can dance just like anyone else can dance. And that's very empowering. Imagine not being able to get up and walk around and then have uh, technology out there that now works almost as good as your existing leg and you can replace that. Or better yet, maybe you could grow one back using the nanotech in the far future. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, look at how reptile DNA works. Works. A reptile will lose its tail, get it cut off, and then it grows it right back. Who's to say that they couldn't splice? And now this is where we get into some ethical things. But in the future, when we're more sound on the science, we could splice the DNA and then allow people that may have lose, lost limbs or super... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Soldiers that lose limbs in order to grow these limbs right back. And uh, not only that, there's this whole, uh, like you mentioned, the printing, the 3D printing. I did research five or six years ago, and it was fascinating to me that they have something called DNA printers. A lot of people, maybe the majority of the people out there have never heard of a DNA printer. Basically, it is a DNA printer that prints organic, uh, synthetic, or I guess we call it synthetic life forms if you'd like. But a majority of the ingredients used in vaccines are now synthetically printed with a DNA printer. So uh, one of the objects, and I've seen a lot in like you mentioned in the TV shows, is that you could clone yourself a meat suit, download your consciousness into this computer disk, and then reload, upload it into the meat suit. That's a really popular one from Altered Carbon, which is a popular show right now on Netflix. Another one that you mentioned is the treatment. That makes a lot of sense to me, the rejuvenating treatment, because first of all, you know, Big Pharma and science and tech don't do anything for free, so they want to find a way to, uh, you know, get the treatments. And treatments make sense because then you're not overdoing it. You you can monitor it better. It could be a healthier. You can look for adverse side effects. And uh, maybe the the age will be limited to 40. So like you mentioned, maybe if you're under 25, you don't have any of these issues. And at 40 or 45, you're you're in that safety limit where you might lose five or 10 years, but you're not going to be a Benjamin Button, right? You're not going to be 90 years and go back to 70 years old. And you're going to have a wife who's like 60 and she has this little six-year-old she's got to take care of that she once was in love with that was an adult. You know, you're not going to have those scenarios if you watch it cautiously and you go in for your treatment. And that just makes sense to me because, uh, you know, people are already conditioned to go in for whatever it might be. It might be tanning or Botox, or, you know, they're getting their eyebrows plucked, or like with me, I, I, I get lined up at the barber shop, and I, I kind of picture it being no different than that. We'll just go into a little, uh, like, little, like, coffin-like thing, and then we'll get zapped with some kind of light and uh, regenerates our age cell, or we'll get injected with something. But I did hear there are people that are already injecting themselves with, uh, you know, experimental treatments to see if they're having any success in this. Have you heard this? Yes. Uh, so first of all, I want to clarify, I don't think any rejuvenation therapy will turn one into a child or turn <laughs> back the growth processes that transform a child into an adult because growth is different from senescence or biological aging. Now, from the moment we're born, we, of course, have various cellular functions, and there are byproducts of cellular metabolism that accumulate. So by the time we're 25, we already have some junk that has accumulated within ourselves that just hasn't accumulated to a critical enough level to cause any damage. So what would be possible with these rejuvenation treatments 
is that that junk is cleared out, but a person isn't going to start looking like a child as a result of that. They will still look like a full-grown adult and probably similar to today's 20-year-olds uh, unless they choose to change their appearance in some other ways. But at a cellular level, they will be younger. Their cells will be cleaner. They will operate uh, a bit better uh, in an underlying sense, even though day-to-day -day people might not quite notice it. It's just that the time for future junk to accumulate would be greatly extended. So if you look like a 25-year-old and you do nothing from that standpoint, if uh, in today's world uh, that would have meant you would have died, say, at 85 or 90, perhaps in that future world, if you did nothing from that point on, you could live another 20 or 30 years because you've set back the clock of junk accumulation. So that's just a clarification. But in terms of people self-experimenting, yes, this has happened. A famous case was in 2015 with Liz Parrish, who incidentally was the 2020 U.S. Transhumanist Party vice presidential nominee. She undertook an experimental combination gene therapy. And this was the first time that a person received a combination of two gene therapy treatments specifically for treating biological aging. And she was biologically healthy, according to the conventional definition. She was 46 years old when she did it. She had to go to Colombia because in the United States, it would have been illegal even to self-administer that kind of treatment. But she went to a clinic in Colombia and she had a gene therapy that seems to have had some empirical effects. Uh, they published some preliminary results about her telomere lengths uh, increasing slightly, other biomarkers improving. It was kind of inconclusive because there's some measurement error in uh, some of these parameters. But looking at her over the years, I'm convinced that she looks younger than she did when I first saw her. And That's she's 50 right now, but... Uh, she doesn't look a day over 35. Yeah, I find that quite impressive. Uh, there's some people like that that, uh, that that just look at naturally, like Cher. I don't even know if that's natural. I wonder if she unzips from her meat suit at night and she comes out looking like she's 90 years old because she still looks like she's like 45. Or maybe she's taking advantage of different treatments because you're like, you're right, smart pills, uh, things that have done with rejuvenation, rejuvenation of skin cells, amongst many other things, are keeping people looking younger uh, and so much more. We're going to be coming across commercial break here in about two minutes. Um, but uh, Gennady uh, Stoliarov is our guest. If you guys have any questions for him, drop them in the chat. Uh, we're live on multiple platforms, forward slash The Rundown Live. Uh, DLive, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all these different platforms. If you want to listen live, download the KGRADB.com app. And if you're terrestrial, make sure that you're tuning in Salt Lake City, uh, Hudson Valley, New York. And, of course, our homeland here from Wisconsin, Kristan T. Harris and the Rundown Live. We're broadcasting out of the 
our little studio here. And I want to say, um, you know, it's interesting to think that we have people ready that are experimenting. And I got to get Liz on because it sounds like she is uh, very well thought of. She's done a lot of research. And I think it's a topic that a lot of our listeners would be interested in learning about. There's so many different ways you can tackle and people are trying to tackle life extension. Like we mentioned, some people like my preferred is to get in the little coffin and have my treatments and organically uh, stay alive longer due to the treatment, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many questions I have for you when we come back from break. You're listening to The Rundown Live on KGRA Radio. We'll be back after this message with uh, from our sponsors. Hi, folks. It's trembling times and fear is pushing emotions, which in turn pushes health the wrong direction. Do you ever get an ache because life is uneasy? Try Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. Life Change Tea works on your digestive tract, helping to move food through quicker and comfortably so your health is spot on. Life Change Tea may not help with world issues, but it will help with your digestive issues. A glass a day helps keep the intruders away. So, change your life today. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Com. If your health game is off, get on by ordering Life Change Tea. GetTheTea.com. And while you're on our site, look around at the great non-GMO organic supplements. And if you're a sales shopper, go to our specials page and see what's for you. I've been drinking the tea for 12 years and I'm sure glad for its health benefits. Again, that's GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com. The tea that makes you go. I'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to. So I like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week. Recently, I started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad I couldn't even lift the weights. When I was complaining about it to a friend, he told me about Angioprim. He said chelation helps remove toxins, heavy metals, and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages. You know, after just one week of taking Angioprim, the pain was gone and now I'm back in the gym full strength. Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com that's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll free at 945-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. That's 945-882-7221. Or go to the website Angioprim.com. Welcome to the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, thekgradb.com. Here you'll find great new content, including the KGRA classics, great shows from our archives. You'll be able to see the showtimes and information so you can see what show is currently on air. The on air live button. So just go to this section and you'll be able to hear the show live with exceptional sound quality. We also have the vault section. Make sure to subscribe to get access to great content and special features. We have the make content for our latest news and events, so make sure to sign up and you can be part of our forum. So make sure to check out the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, the KGRADB.com. We look forward to seeing you there, and we hope that you enjoy the new website. You listen to us, and we listen to you, and so does the CIA. (laughs) 
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KGRARadio.com. Censored by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of the Rundown Live, Kristen T. Harris. And that's one of my favorite jams coming in. Lo and behold, violent sound. If you like that uh, 80s Depeche Mode feel, um, I really enjoy their stuff. Jason Martin from Starflyer 59 put together that side piece with uh, the metal singer from Demon Hunter. It's so weird that it's such a different variety of artistic ability. And, uh, you know, even, hey, our guest here today is... Uh, artist himself but before we get in get back to Gennady here uh, make sure you guys check out kgraradio.db um, kgraradio.db.com um, download the app the app is free in the google play store apple iphone store the ios store you can also find the rundown live app so if you can't stay for this whole show which i i do know and i have been taking a look at our average listening listener retention rate it's almost at 20 minutes that's what the standard is in the industry so if you can't listen to this whole show you can get it iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, we're on every major platform. And make sure you guys support independent media because we're slowly, we are slowly becoming, um, going the way of the buffalo, I would say, or the way of the dinosaur. Not that the dinosaurs can't be brought back to life, though, like we saw in Jurassic Park. What an interesting thought, Michael Crichton. But our guest today is Gennady Stoliarov II. Am I not butchering that there, Gennady, or did I say that right? That's correct. Stoliarov is my last name. Yeah, and chairman of the Transhumanist Party, and we've been talking about different ways to extend your life and how, you know, some of us may opt to get the treatment where we try to regenerate our skin cells or maybe we want to download our consciousness into the computer and get a whole different meat suit. If that's your belief, you know, maybe you want to uh, you you believe that uh, you want to be put into a strong masculine body and you can afford that download. Maybe some of us will have contracts with drone companies that will download signals uh, from our brain straight to the drone and by back us up consistently and a whole bunch of times throughout the day uh, in the far future or maybe the near future. We're not quite sure. We're all of a sudden talking about exploring space and all these different things. That being said, uh, we were talking roughly about doing, uh, was it Liz Parrish, as well as uh, how we're seeing results where she doesn't look older. She might even look like she's getting younger, which is amazing to me. My question is, is do your bones, do your bones continue to grow like uh, like you would see a lot of these old ancient um, human skeletons where the, the eyebrows are protruded and, you know, it looks like maybe either the individual is really old or came from a animal humanoid, spe- you know, hybrid. Uh, what happens to our bones in that process? Do, we, do our bones still stay, stay old or will they become brittle or do they stay rejuvenated? Because it sounds like it's a complex process. That's all I'm saying. Well, it is certainly a complex process. My understanding is there are certain parts of the body 
that can grow with age even after one has reached full biological adulthood. For instance, ears and noses can become larger over time. But I don't think that's the case with your main skeleton, the bone as opposed to the cartilage. Bones do become weaker and more brittle and more prone to breakage and injury over time. But that's also a consequence of biological aging. Bones are comprised of cells as well. And those cells are not invulnerable to uh, biological decay. So over time, they lose a certain degree of functionality and resilience. But a lot of the same rejuvenation treatments should help with uh, these kinds of conditions as well, preventing uh, osteoporosis, for example. So uh, I do believe that uh, this is a situation, a predicament that can be overcome. Now, with regard to different approaches toward life extension, I do think it's important to consider what we're trying to preserve. And this is an active subject of discussion within the transhumanist community. There are many different perspectives on this. But uh, for me, the importance is to achieve the continuity of the same individual, what I call the I-ness, which is one's unique vantage point upon the world. It is what leads me to perceive the world as me and not as you or as any other person. It's what leads you to perceive the world as you and not as me. So it wouldn't be good enough to just have an atomically identical copy of me assembled next to me, because then hypothetically, I could still be sitting here talking to you. That person could go off and have his experiences and have memories very similar to mine, have ideas very similar to mine, but I, sitting here talking to you, would no longer be able to experience what that person is experiencing. And this is the concern with any procedure that involves a sufficient amount of physical discontinuity. So any kind of mind uploading, unless it's very gradual and incremental, and it preserves this continuous experience of life for the same individual, would, in my view, be vulnerable to the situation where it just creates a copy. And clearly, that's not what we want when we seek to extend our own lifespans. Now, this is why I am more inclined personally toward the biological approach, uh, perhaps with some incremental artificial organ replacement. I don't think if you replace your heart with a robotic heart, uh, you're going to stop being you. Uh, you're still going to be you because that heart performs the same function and the rest of your bodily systems are uh, still human at that time. And then you could replace another body part. Say you could replace your lungs if your lungs fail. Uh, you could even hypothetically uh, if it's done in a sufficiently gradual fashion, graft artificial neurons onto your brain, uh, if you can figure out a way to get those neurons past the blood-brain barrier, and provided they're functionally identical, over time, they'll just integrate themselves into your uh, nervous system and perform uh, the same roles as your biological neurons. So maybe in 100 years, if you can't prevent your biological neurons from dying, 
but you have enough of these artificial neurons, your brain will continue on in a different substrate and you'll still be the same person. But that's not going to happen if you take out your entire brain and replace it with a functionally identical artificial copy, because that would be a severe discontinuity and uh, it would be analogous to just having a copy of you assembled uh, alongside you, except here that copy's brain got implanted into your head. So it is w worthwhile to think about these kinds of scenarios because these are real choices that humans are going to face within the next century. I think the biotechnology is going to advance sooner than any potential mind uploading approach. And the reason for that is we are still relatively in our infancy in terms of comprehending the workings of the human brain. There are projects underway for mapping the brain, uh, but they are still in very preliminary stages. On the other hand, there are a lot of medical interventions right now that while they can't quite reverse biological aging reliably in people, uh, at least there has been some headway. There have been some anecdotal situations where, as in the case of Liz Parrish, someone might have become younger. That's quite amazing. I know that today uh, it was in the news that they may have finally come up with an MS vaccine, which is huge, being able to reserve, uh, reverse multiple sclerosis. And there's a lot of breaking technology that I think a lot of it, the technology or the know-how is there, just that the money and the funding and the ability of technology has not been there to do it. They know how to do it, just that it, they're not there yet. And, um, you know, when we're talking about these different ways, whether it's downloading your consciousness, I keep thinking about RoboCop where, you're, where they scoop the guy's brain and out of the robot or out of the human body and they put it into a robot and the robot is the cop. And, you know, I guess the question then comes and we were starting to talk, tackle this before we got to break. But people have been asking, uh, what does this do for consciousness? Mm -hmm. Like for people who are into higher consciousness and meditation and their higher selves and lower selves, uh, w at what point do you become robot and uh, even when you have a heart implant from another person, people have reported having dreams that weren't their own and having cha change in uh, what kind of foods they may like or taste for things, uh, maybe because that heart came from a different individual. So I have thought for a long time from a philosophical standpoint about what does and what does not preserve the continuity of the self. As I've said, that's clearly an important subject for those who want to extend their own lives. And I would be skeptical about a situation where a person's brain was just taken wholesale, implanted into another body, because there would be an interruption in bodily function and certainly a dramatic, sudden change in bodily structure. Now, we do experience incremental changes to the material composition of our organisms all the time. We have cells that die, new cells that get created. We have atoms uh, in our bodies that leave our bodies or that are taken in. If we eat food, uh, we take in some atoms, they get converted into materials for our organisms. So clearly that's not a problem because each of these components, it gets integrated into an already existing and already functioning system. I think the continued integrity and operation 
of the physical systems of the body is required to maintain the continuity of the individual. So it's a different scenario uh, between having a brain transplanted into a robotic body, which may be too much of a discontinuity, depending on how it's done, and that's the big caveat, and having a situation where over the course of many years, you get specific body parts replaced with artificial counterparts. So uh, you have a situation where your heart fails, you need a new heart. Uh, you have a situation where perhaps uh, you get paralyzed in some way, you need new limbs. And these are functional. They're integrated into your body's nervous system. I don't think the brain is the entirety of the self, though. We do have a nervous system that extends uh, throughout the body. And this is why, for instance, if a person loses a limb, sometimes that person still feels as if that limb is there. It's the phantom limb syndrome. So I do think that needs to be considered when thinking about what do we really need to preserve in order to keep the individual. But I'm in favor of gradual upgrades and replacements. I don't think it's a problem if you replace one part every now and then. With the brain, of course, you can't replace that wholesale. Uh, you'd have to do it neuron by neuron. And again, hopefully over the course of many years, once that technology becomes available. Okay. Can we create a new new term, phantom brain syndrome? If only <laughs> I had a brain. <laughs> well, this is an interesting question, though. To what extent can the same subjective experience be preserved in a different substrate? And I don't think we have enough evidence to answer that question yet. Uh, but we do know that the brain is physical and the processes that give rise to life and consciousness are physical. I myself am not a religious person. I know some people would disagree, but you can have a purely materialist explanation of life and of consciousness and why we're conscious, why we're self-aware. So it follows that there is some set of emergent properties that arises from purely physical structures that can give rise to our current level of experience. The question is, do they have to be these organic carbon-based structures, or can they be based in some other medium? Can a computer be conscious if it's sufficiently advanced? And if so, how do we know? How can we tell, not just by its statements that it's conscious, because you could program a chatbot to say that, but from the physical structures, can we infer that? And that's a very important question for neuroscientists and philosophers and AI researchers to study in the coming decades. Yeah, I think it's uh, really important to take a look into that, too, because there's a lot of people that believe a different variety of things. Yeah, like speaking about religion and transhumanism, I started off the show talking about Genesis 3.22, which says that now that man has knowledge, they, too, can become gods. And uh, I think it's pretty impressive to think that there's a lot of technology and we're getting to that moment that was believed by ancients. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, and I don't know the reason, but I would assume that 
people that were ancient and philosophic times had to think, well, if we mummify our body and they get our DNA, maybe they could reconstruct us and bring us back to life like we once were. Maybe our DNA stores a lot more data in it than we even know, including memories and other things. So who knows why they mummified themselves, the Egyptians, the Babylonians. But one could easily believe that uh, it's either to maintain um, DNA till they have technology that they could bring them back to life or be reincarnated, quote unquote, in the physical form. And, uh, you know, I'm just waiting for them to get to a point where they can grow my hair back so I'm not bald. So. Well, I think they did their best, uh, given the knowledge of their time. Of course, they made some significant scientific errors, like thinking, uh, in the case of the Egyptians, that the brain was superfluous, so they would take it out in the mummification process. But the idea of preserving some part of the body in order to preserve life has been an age-old dream of humans ever since humans became aware of their mortality. And of course, in the pre-scientific era, it was very difficult to really fathom what was happening and how to have any sort of influence over the process. So the Egyptians constructed this elaborate mythology, uh, largely based on extrapolations of human conscious experience onto the natural world. So People know that they're conscious, that they have intentionality, and they attribute that to the outside world. This is why pretty much all of the early religions were animistic. They thought the waterfall is alive, the trees are alive. Well, the trees are alive, but they are uh, intentionally acting the way humans do. They thought the sky is intentionally acting, and when uh, there's bad weather or some natural disaster, the sky is angry. And over time, as societies became more advanced, these personifications of objects became uh, more abstract. So there came about deities that were in charge of certain domains of life, like, uh, for instance, Poseidon is in charge of the sea in ancient Greek mythology. And that was in some ways a more scientific mindset because uh, people actually started to understand that there were inanimate objects that had a certain logic by which uh, they behaved or could be interacted with certain natural laws, but perhaps uh, there's a higher power that controls them behind the scenes. So in the case of the Egyptians, uh, this mythology was also used uh, essentially to try to reconcile uh, with this conundrum of uh, well, how can it be that the individual just disappears uh, after the death of the body? Uh, it's a very difficult concept to grasp for people because we can't really imagine what it's like not to have conscious experience, not to be alive. It's not just that we're in some sort of deep sleep. It's as if we never existed at all. Everything, every perception, every memory, every thought uh, just disappears. And in my view, that's a supremely frightening prospect, and I can understand why humans devised elaborate systems of thought and belief in order to seek any way in which, in their minds, that could be avoided. Now, I don't think the Egyptians actually figured it out. I think, of course, they didn't preserve enough of the body uh, to preserve that continuity 
of Inus that we would care about. Now, is there some DNA there? Sure. Uh, could that DNA eventually be used to create a copy that is very similar to some deceased Egyptian pharaoh? Maybe. I'll leave that open to uh, future science to figure out. I do think the Egyptians did themselves more of a service than the cultures that would just bury or cremate their dead and let biological decay take hold. So they had an important insight that trying to prevent decay is good. It's desirable uh, not to experience bodily decay after death. Uh, but unfortunately, they lived too early to arrive at viable life extension approaches. I really think in our world, the people who are alive today are on the cusp of these advances. And it really depends on whether there's enough societal and political support, whether we are among the last generations to die or among the first generations to live indefinitely. That's why the transhumanist party is so important in my view and activism in this realm is so crucially important. Uh, I think the pyramids were the first cryonics uh, business building there. They, they just put everyone in uh, coffins there and hoped that they could live forever. And that's another topic of uh, life extension where people were freezing themselves to uh, potentially be brought back to life when uh, a cure for the disease was there. There's so many different viewpoints and opportunities. But one of the things I found really interesting is the thought and process of reincarnation uh, because energy has to go somewhere. It just doesn't go nowhere. And does it go back into uh, life in itself? We don't know the full process. And I think maybe even evolution and or the idea of reincarnation is a process that we don't understand scientifically yet that maybe one day science will prove that there is a type of uh, re, uh, cycler, recycling of the soul or the higher self like a lot of people like Lev Polyakov who has joined us before talks about in his meditation and reaching that illumination through meditation and self-healing through meditation. There's a lot of incredible things and uh, abilities the body is capable of, and we just don't know. They're locked away, and we've seen these kind of abilities on things like Stanley superhumans where you have somebody that's 110 pounds that can bend frying pans because for some reason their muscles have 20,000 times the torque of a standard individual, which is unheard of, or somebody has a superhuman ability to start something on fire. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...by meditating, whether or not that energy is legit or it's just for show because Stan Lee was uh, interviewing real people and trying to get their DNA and the doctor's explanation on these incredible abilities. We just don't know uh, what the total aspect and the full picture is. But what we are talking about right now is transhumanism and what it can bring and where, where we are going with it. 
and that the people do have many options of potentially preserving themselves. And uh, the, like you mentioned, the brain seems to be a very important part. Uh, some people are talking about downloading consciousness, which you express is maybe not the best way of doing it. If you had the option to, uh, to, to keep your physical brain, that would be the way through rejuvenation and keeping it young. And there's so many different things and different topics we have yet to cover, Gennady. We're heading up to commercial break here in about three minutes, but um, I guess I got to ask you, are there religious transhumanists? Like, because a lot of people believe that uh, the because atheism is really popular amongst the scientific community. It doesn't represent the whole scientific community, but I do know that um, the idea that um, or, or agnostic, at least they they don't know uh, those two beliefs are very prominent currently in the science community. But uh, my question is: Are there actually people who are Buddhist or Hindi or uh, Christian that actually are part of this? organization. Oh, yes, absolutely. There are entire transhumanist associations that have uh, a religious orientation. There's the Christian Transhumanist Association, the Mormon Transhumanist Association. There are a decent number of individual transhumanists who are Christian or Jewish or Buddhists, even some Muslim transhumanists in various parts of the world. So transhumanism isn't anti-religion. There are a lot of atheist transhumanists, but transhumanism is primarily about using science and technology to improve human well-being and human longevity in this world. So whether you're religious or atheistic or you don't even think particularly about religion, uh, you may still be interested in using science and technology to improve the human condition. And as long as you are, you are welcome within the transhumanist movement. That's uh, incredible. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. There's a Christian Transhumanist Association. You can join uh, different sects of transhumanism. And there's so many different organizations out there. We were talking about earlier how uh, one uh, was the World Trans. Human or the World Transhumanist Association, which has been uh, kind of absorbed by Humanity Plus. Humanity Plus is another one, which uh, I know that you just interviewed Max Moore, uh, leading science uh, science leader in cryonics. His wife uh, Natasha Vita Moore has been a pioneer in longevity, and she might even be responsible for the term transhuman. And she's well respected within the science community. And I know that what she does is pretty impressive where she's taken worms and frozen them and then thawed them out to have them come back to life. So maybe there is a lot of um, potential in a lot of these things. Maybe if you're 23 and you're dying and you have the option to be cryonically frozen, they'll be able to cure you in the near future using nanotech, bringing you back to life. I, I kind of think... <laughs> I keep thinking back to the show Better Off Ted, which was a show that was about 20 years ago, and it talked about all this technology we were talking about right now and how this company was a private company used to pioneer it, and they did the cryonics uh, freezing, and they all voted on who would be doing it, and the person came out completely normal, except all of a sudden he had a stutter, and they'd be like, are you stutter? You didn't have that before, and you know, it was like, and he's like thinking about it, did I stutter before, or did I not stutter before, uh, but it's amazing to think about that people are um, really focusing on this and it could cure a lot of diseases. When we come back from break here in a minute, 
we're going in a minute. Uh, we should talk about who will have access to this technology and what are some uh, uses of uh, some of these other technologies? Like you mentioned, space colonization. Our listeners probably have no clue what quantum computing is. They think it's a computer that uses ones and zeros still. Uh, people don't really have an idea of what that is. We can talk about a whole bunch of different things when we come back from break. Gennady Stoliarov. Uh, is our guest here on the Rundown Live on KGRA Radio. We'll be back after this message from our sponsors. Hi, folks. It's trembling times and fear is pushing emotions, which in turn pushes health the wrong direction. Do you ever get an ache because life is uneasy? Try Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. Life Change Tea works on your digestive tract, helping to move food through quicker and comfortably so your health is spot on. Life Change Tea may not help with world issues, but it will help with your digestive issues. A glass a day helps keep the intruders away. So, change your life today. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. If your health game is off, get on by ordering Life Change Tea. GetTheTea.com. And while you're on our site, look around at the great non-GMO organic supplements. And if you're a sales shopper, go to our specials page and see what's for you. I've been drinking the tea for 12 years and I'm sure glad for its health benefits. Again, that's GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com. The tea that makes you go. Permanent industrial glue impossible to remove? Not anymore, because Handyman Formula by D-Bond is a patented chemical adhesive remover. It's used in the building and home maintenance industry, but now it's available for your home use, for your DIY projects. Unglue stickers, silicone rubber, labels, price tags, flex tape, weather stripping, carpet glue, wood glue, liquid nails, even 3M5200. And it dissolves graffiti. Yeah, graffiti. Handyman Formula by D-Bond works, and it's safe to use on most surfaces. No need to call a professional. Don't get out the pliers and blowtorch. Just apply a little Handyman Formula by D-Bond, and wait 90 seconds, then quickly and easily pull the items apart. Get unstuck. Visit dbondhandymanformula.com. That's dbondhandymanformula.com, or call 561-575-4200. Handyman Formula by D-Bond. Is that who I think it is? Yep, sure is. Did you hear he ditched the man cave and brought back the study? That's so sexy. (sighs) I love it when a man is educated and informed. He is so dreamy. Always reading books and investigating history. Where do you think he works out? The library. (laughs) (laughs) He is so controversial, always talking about 9-11 being an inside job, the police state, constitutional rights, ancient history, government cover-ups, and how he thinks sports don't matter in real life. Oh, I love a free thinker who searches for truth. I love it when he feeds my brain. Mm. What's his name? Kristan T. Harris. (laughs) Tune in to The Rundown Live with Kristan T. Harris, Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern on KGRADB.com. We are the contact for alternative research topics. The Planet, KGRARadio.com.
censored by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of The Rundown Live, Kristen T. Harris. And we're back from break, back from break on The Rundown Live, rundownlive.com. We're currently live on so many platforms, guys. Make sure if you're not tuning in at your local stations, Salt Lake City, Utah, Hudson Valley, New York, get on the web. Get on iHeartRadio. Get on Spreaker, which is huge. What was that? Almost 5 million downloads on Spreaker. You, this is just crazy what you guys are able to do when you guys spread the word, let people know. And this seems to be a popular topic. We've been talking with Bill, our producer, and the idea of consciousness and where does your soul go? And at what point when you replace a certain part does it go... Bye bye. Uh, and if there's, I guess if you're an atheist, you might not believe in it. But as we found out, there's a growing number of people that have uh, religious philosophies behind the, the the transhumanist movement that are involved in things like cryonically freezing yourself. Is it inherently wrong to want to live forever? And I think that it isn't. I think it's one of those things that after what we read, if you're a religious person, Genesis 3.22, it says now that you can be as if you're God. So does that mean we are now allowed to pursue this? And I think a lot of people are you know, allowed to have their own interpretations of what it means in their life. And so like we've learned, there's a Christian transhumanist movement. There's Mormon transhumanist movement. There's Jewish transhumanist movements. There's all sorts of, uh, and, and I think even in Africa, there's a lot of people that have interest in this, uh, Gennady. I couldn't believe when I ran for uh, a presidential candidate for the transhumanist party. By the way, I got the most second place votes. Uh, but that the, there was like, you know, Rachel Haywire and Johan Ben-Zion uh, in front of me who was involved in a very important debate, which we should also mention on the show. Um it's really interesting to me to see that there's such a diverse amount of individuals. And it's really important that we have almost everyone involved because these are the this is the debate of the future. This is not like when people are like, well, how did that happen? Nobody knows. This is us saying get involved now so you know what's coming down in the future and that you can voice your creativity and concerns. Um, if you have ethical concerns, there's obviously plenty of rundown live shows about that. But, uh, you know, here we're trying to talk about the positive things. Things that it can bring you like uh, I think it's a real positive thing that if somebody loses their limbs they can get a robot limb or grow one back we can see it for army vets maybe they'll be replaced by robots Gennady story uh, a love is our get the second is our guest chairman of the transhumanist party and a wonderful individual who I met in Chicago and by the way if you don't think the transhumanist party is a real has real potential you should know you should know that in 2020, they partook of a presidential, their candidate took uh, uh, part of a presidential debate in uh, the free and equal elections, uh, open election process in Chicago, which has become the nation's largest independent presidential debate. All candidates are invited. Not everyone shows up. But this year we had uh, everyone from Joe Jorgensen, the head of the libertarian candidate involved in the debate. Um, we also had uh, Howie Hawkins, head of the Green Party, part of the debate. We had Republican alternative candidates like um, Zoltan Istvan, who is, happened to be a transhumanist uh, part of the debate. And of course, Ben Zion, who did a pretty good job debating as well. And I think that's a huge step. And a big person that was uh, involved in making that happen was Gennady here. And I want to say it's important that people get invested into this topic, that people learn about it and more people understand it, because the more people that learn about it, the more 
people can understand and not be so frightened by it and have a better belief that robots can do good things like Robot police would probably not be prejudiced. Uh, when if your business is uh, running on a tight budget, maybe instead of humans, you can have a robot that doesn't collect four hundred one k, doesn't get social security, doesn't take cigarette breaks, is never late for work, and does inventory at night. But keep in mind, fixing robot might be pretty expensive, and you might need to get a hire a person to come fix them. So there's an offset of cost there, and there's another job being created for every job a robot replaces. So a lot of people are worried that you know robots are going to replace the jobs well with space exploration i'm telling you right now that there's going to be a lot of jobs for a lot of people in the future the expanse the tv show out there which is becoming one of my favorite shows where there's like a, a group that has ubi while the the belters are working on mining asteroids we can get into all these topics because universal basic income and the idea of Americanism is kind of predatory for the fact they feel like we're stealing money because you're taking other people's hard work taxes and using them to distribute and do a universal basic income. But in the future, all currency will be digital so they can just put it in your account because we're going to eventually do away with uh, paper currency. Everything's going to be credit and or I think barter system, gold, silver, metals. You'll be able to cash those in for digital currency. And when we start talking about this i think that's the way they're talking about going they're even having a what they're calling a federal digital uh currency that they're developing at this moment so there's a lot of different questions and potential dealing with the future and the transhumanism just doesn't the idea of life extension it's become an umbrella term for everything that is star trek doctor who dash uh you know, um, Star Wars and not necessarily in the sense of the, the, the actual adventure, even though there will be some of that if we're colonizing other planets. It's the technology withheld within these episodes that we're looking at that's becoming a reality. Yes, well, we have a lot to look forward to in terms of technological advances, and I think it's important to emphasize these are happening in parallel. So we see SpaceX, for example, now launching humans to the International Space Station and building the technology to get humans to Mars. We see Jeff Bezos developing technology to get humans to the moon. So it's not that humankind should prioritize Mars or the moon, it's that both should happen simultaneously based on the willingness of entrepreneurs to get us there and to pursue these kinds of projects. And at the same time, we've discussed advances in biotechnology, in gene therapies, genetic engineering. There have been advances in automation, in artificial intelligence, and in technologies of production, 3D printing, uh, small-scale manufacturing that might create more local autonomy and less dependence on complex and fragile supply chains, which we saw uh, really being strained during this pandemic. And I think it's important for people to be aware that, yes, societies are going to be transformed by these technological changes, but the transformation doesn't have to be destructive or deleterious. And you mentioned there's this fear of mass unemployment. But as you also pointed out, 
these new technologies open up new fields of endeavor, new types of jobs that didn't exist before. Indeed, much of the work that people are doing today in the knowledge sector would not have existed just a few decades ago. So there's no reason why that wouldn't continue, even with AI systems taking over certain aspects of human intellectual work, there will still be work uh, on the frontiers of knowledge, including work in collaboration with AI, that specific AI systems have not been programmed to do. Now, in the future, we may have a situation where there's artificial general intelligence that could learn new tasks and new domains of knowledge. But at that point, we have to ask, again, this question about consciousness and sentience. Is this now a self-aware sentient entity? Should it have the same rights as humans do? And the Transhumanist Party has given this matter a lot of thought. We have our Transhumanist Bill of Rights version 3.0, which your viewers and listeners can access on our website at transhumanist-party.org, where we discuss what are really the prerequisites to be an entity of sufficient sentience in order to be eligible for rights and what should those rights be in the future. But once we get to that point, again, it's still going to be a collaboration between humans and these new AI citizens. I don't have any fears of a Terminator type of scenario. I think that's just overblown dystopian uh, popular science fiction because it's easier to tell a dystopian story than a more hopeful, techno-optimistic one. But I do think in the future, we are going to have important questions about how will work be transformed? How do we tide people over during periods of increasing disruption where they might have to retrain themselves and look forward to new types of work? And this is where a universal basic income would be most helpful. Now, I believe that it should be possible to implement a universal basic income without raising taxes. And the way to do it is twofold. First of all, there are a lot of conditional welfare programs today where much of the expense actually goes to administering the system by which individuals are means tested and by which various kinds of terms are associated with their receipt of aid. So, for instance, you have to demonstrate that you're actively looking for a job. You have to demonstrate that you won't spend this money on alcohol or drugs or other kinds of vices. But it takes a very expensive bureaucracy in order to oversee all of that. And the advantage of a universal basic income is if there's a fixed amount of money that goes to everybody, no matter their income or wealth level. If you're Bill Gates or if you're a pauper on the street, you receive the same amount every year. And what you do with it is up to you. And if you're smart and you have some prudence, you will use it to uh, provide yourself a basic standard of living while you're looking for other options, other ways to supplement your income. And there's no disincentive from working either, unlike with today's welfare systems where you lose the aid if you find a job. So some people are incentivized to just stay on welfare and to them it feels easier, even though in the long run it's a detriment to their standard of living and their ability to achieve. But another important way to fund a basic income system, and this is an approach that could even be compatible with retaining some elements of the current welfare system, would be through a federal land dividend, which is analogous to Alaska's oil 
dividend. Uh, it is sometimes not universally known, but the citizens of the state of Alaska receive payments every single year, sometimes up to a few thousand dollars, just from living there because according to the law of Alaska, the oil belongs to the citizens and the citizens are entitled to shares of the oil revenue. So what if that kind of approach could be scaled up to the entire country? where there are vast swaths of unused federal land, particularly in the American West. About 85% of the state of Nevada, where I live, is federally owned. And a lot of this land is not particularly scenic. It's just barren scrubland, which isn't being put to any productive use right now. So what if private corporations are allowed to use this land, and they may be subject to some environmental stipulations. They may be required not to pollute it or uh, to leave it in the same condition that they found it. But in the meantime, they could engage in commercial activity there and pay rent to the federal government. The federal government could use those proceeds to fund a universal basic income. And as those arrangements develop, uh, perhaps initially the basic income would start out small, but it would be nice to receive a few hundred dollars now and then. Uh, and over time, as these enterprises mature, the checks that every citizen will receive will also increase. So that's a great future possibility where people will not see this as redistribution of wealth. Rather, new wealth will be created from these business enterprises that can help tide people over uh, during times when temporarily they might have to re-educate themselves because they lost their previous job and they've yet to train for the next job. Yeah, you make a lot of interesting points that uh, every from time to time I've forgotten that I haven't brought up in years, but 80% of welfare goes to overhead. Um, I think that was always my argument with charitable organizations. Since 80% goes to like keeping buildings and jobs and everything open, what what happens if we could just flip that and 20% is used for overhead and 80% actually goes to people who need it, or we could lessen taxes to to better suit people so the government is not uh, using all their money. And in the future, will we still need taxation if we can just uh, either do it the way you mentioned or we can just print money out of thin air? air, uh, do taxes slowly go the way of the buffalo, and then we have the libertarian dream and mindset that we don't have to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it's very interesting to consider that uh, taxation really arises from a time when physical stuff had to exchange hands in order for value to be transferred. For instance, you are uh, a merchant somewhere and you have some goods that you sell, you go to markets in various walled towns or castle courtyards and then you sell your goods and you get gold or silver and you carry the gold or silver with you but the king or the local lord might want some resources to pay uh, his troops or to build a new castle and he says well you have a bunch of gold I have more uh, arms than you do. I can kind of uh, strongly suggest that you give me some of your gold. And that was taxation. And clearly, if you're that merchant, it's an uncomfortable proposition. Uh, it's kind of an asymmetric uh, power relationship there. Uh, but uh, over time, as uh, nation states emerged and as currency became more abstract, so that right now the vast majority of transactions are digital, it 
kind of makes little sense to just move that around. Uh, it is much better, I think, to have the government be funded by some sort of revenue source that's external to the people uh, or that is so seamless that the people don't notice it. Uh, so the U.S. Transhumanist Party supports a system of replacing all income taxes and all other miscellaneous taxes with a universal sales tax only on purchases from large businesses that already pay sales tax. So if you go to the Walmart, you pay a little bit more than the sticker price in order to pay that sales tax. But you could even have a situation where the sticker price is adjusted upward to already reflect the amount of the tax. So you get to see the price with tax already when you're shopping. You get to take that into account in your decisions. And it's on the back end that a certain fraction of that gets uh, sent to the federal government or the state and local governments. And Walmart will take care of that for you. Walmart already takes care of that with regard to the federal sales tax. Uh, I, I'm sorry, the state sales tax. So with the federal sales tax, it can do that uh, as well. But it shouldn't be imposed on small businesses. It shouldn't be imposed on small-scale individual entrepreneurs who just provide services because those people don't have the infrastructure to do that. And the implication of that would be people no longer will have to file tax returns. They'll just be paying taxes as they go, as they shop, because everyone shops at large retailers to some extent or another. Everyone has something to do uh, with a large business in terms of their commercial transactions. And if people don't really notice the burden of taxation, if they just go about their daily lives, they see a particular price, they think, okay, it's a reasonable price, I can afford it. It doesn't matter to them if some portion of it goes to pay a tax. So I really think a future from a libertarian standpoint that would be desirable is one where none of the burdens of government are noticed by ordinary people, where the government might provide services here or there, uh, depending on whether that's judged to be prudent from a policy perspective, but ordinary people don't see those services as an imposition. They don't see it as taking something from them. They just see it as part of the everyday infrastructure of life. Uh, oppression in some ways is a matter of how you experience it from a structural standpoint. So if somebody has to point a gun at you and say, hey, give me your money in order to fund X, Y, or Z, that's an oppressive way of living. But if you can just go about your day-to-day -day life and you don't feel any sort of compulsion to do anything, and yet these governmental functions happen behind the scenes and people get their universal basic income, uh, that seems to be a pretty good way to live. It's not a way that uh, any historic government has operated, which is why a lot of libertarians are understandably skeptical of government power. But transhumanists always want a more humane system, a system that respects individual liberty and at the same time makes sure that people have the opportunities to uh, be their best and uh, not fall by the wayside. Yeah, you know... I think I'm a firm believer that major corporations and businesses already work in all their taxes. They have to pay into the price of the product. So they technically probably aren't paying taxes anyway because it's we pay for it when we buy the product. But I get what you're saying. I guess my question is, what's the need for a Federal Reserve if we have all digital currency? 
Like, do we like what's the like, do we even need like is the Federal Reserve? I don't think it's going to go away because it's such a powerful organization. But if everything is synthetic currency and we have things now like Bitcoin and all these other currencies, why? What, what purpose and why would we even need international bankers? That's a good question. And I think it's legitimate to posit that perhaps the conventional banking system as it has been envisioned, may be obsolete. Now, there could be a role for specialized institutions that handle complex financial transactions and assure security against fraud and against theft. And in many cases, that was the original purpose of commercial banks. If you had a bunch of gold, you were that merchant, and you didn't want a king to steal it, you could put it in a bank and if the Medici family in Florence offered you uh, safekeeping of your gold and maybe even some interest on it, of course, they would lend out the gold for their own activities. They would engage in some trickery with fractional reserve banking. But uh, it might be a good deal for you because then you don't have to cart that gold around and it won't get stolen because the king isn't going to invade Florence to take your gold. And so uh, you might be safer and your life might be more convenient. Now, in a system where that doesn't need to happen, where everyone has digital currencies, is that really necessary? Well, I would say only to the extent that you want security of your funds and you want to make sure that nobody can steal them very easily. Nobody can uh, misappropriate your identity, that you have good customer support to rely upon. So this is where I think banking has shifted. But you're correct that the system where the money supply essentially starts at the level of the Federal Reserve and then trickles down through the commercial banks uh, via uh, low interest loans from the Federal Reserve. And then it gets loaned out to the people uh, in the form of mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, etc. That may be an obsolete system. Uh, a debt-based system is not one that uh, is great to live under. Uh, because, of course, uh, large numbers of people are in massive debt and they have to work just to get out from under it. It's better to have a system that's backed by real wealth and more of a ground up uh, system where the money is based on the real assets, uh, not just real property, but the tangible goods that exist in the economy, the useful goods that exist in the economy. And the money is uh, just a unit of account and a convenient medium of exchange so that you don't have to barter every time uh, person A doesn't have to directly have what person B wants in order for A and B to be able to make an exchange. That's uh, one of the historic purposes of money that is uh, still very important and is going to be very important for a long time. Yeah, I guess the question is, is why don't we just print our own money at that? We don't really need a Federal Reserve to do that. We could just, I mean, we're just paying interest on something America do on their own anyways, just that it wouldn't be the world reserve currency. And I think with cryptocurrency, it's a way to decentralize that currency and take money away from the globalist initiative as far as uh, actually having our buying power back. Look at Bitcoin. It's almost, I don't know, it was at $41,000 yesterday. That is crazy to me because when I started uh, educating people about Bitcoin, it was $117 like nine years ago. And it's just incredible how these things are going. Now, a lot of people are scared. Again, here's the naysayers. They're worried about 
having needing a chip and, and, and having it implanted in order to spend money. Uh, your Federal Reserve number etched into your DNA VI CRISPR gene editing and all these uh, different concerns that are way down the line. But I can understand. But there's a lot of benefits that in other ways of uh, usage of cryptocurrency. And I, I see that there's so many opportunities in the market. It's like the stock market, like I keep going back into the late 90s when Amazon and Google and were still on the market and or were on the market just getting on it. We had Alta Vista and Yahoo and people were, you know, bouncing between that. And we had AOL to log in via, um, you know, dial up Internet. But here we are now where we can literally have uh, a cryptocurrency wallet, which is electronically backed, where we'll have our code that will always be able to access it wherever. And even if America denied use of Bitcoin, you could cash it in in another country or some other place. But it seems like that is the the, the tender uh, the the currency of the future. The banks are going to use that currency, and even Ethereum has said it's going to be the first currency allowed to be used in space. So now we know what our space credits will be as far as if you're going to live on a moon base, uh, mining away for uh, the Rockefellers or whoever it might be, uh, Elon Musk on Mars or Bezos on the uh, on the moon. I think that uh, it's fascinating to see the opportunities that will be given to all of us right across the band as travel back and forth to these items gets quicker and quicker. I remember when they used to tell me it takes us seven years to travel to Mars. Now they're making it in six months. That's crazy to me growing up. That's how much. Uh, how much significant change we've had in technology with NASA and these other organizations. Why we need a space army, I'm still not sure, but I bet you it's something to do with uh, if we own space, then uh, obviously we can build things other place and we need to police the space because otherwise you're going to have Emperor Bezos and Emperor Elon Musk each having their own planets there of uh, own uh, run. Anyways, we're heading to commercial break. Gennady Stoliarov, the second and chief chieftain over there at the transhumanist party influencer on futurism is our guest if you want to call in and you have questions about transhumanism now is the time to do it i'll open the lines the last half hour if you want to call in 1-855-472-5483 what is it uh shoot i keep 5483 5483 sorry slow motion and we'll be back after this message from our sponsors I'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to. So I like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week. Recently, I started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad I couldn't even lift the weights. When I was complaining about it to a friend, he told me about Angioprim. He said chelation helps remove toxins, heavy metals, and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages. You know, after just one week of taking Angioprim, the pain was gone and now I'm back in the gym full strength. Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll-free at 945-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. That's 945-882-7221. Or go to the website, angioprim.com. Folks. 
This is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com. Our CBD is made from hemp and has 0.003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take. What does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Welcome to the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, thekgradb.com. Here you'll find great new content, including the KGRA classics, great shows from our archives. You'll be able to see the showtimes and information so you can see what show is currently on air. The on-air live button. So just go to this section and you'll be able to hear the show live with exceptional sound quality. We also have the vault section. Make sure to subscribe to get access to great content and special features. We have the make content for our latest news and events, so make sure to sign up and you can be part of our forum. So make sure to check out the new KGRA digital broadcasting website, the KGRADB.com. We look forward to seeing you there and we hope that you enjoy the new website. Your official contact for the best alternative talk on the planet. KGRARadio.com Censored by the mainstream media, the destroyer of fake news, and your host of The Rundown Live, Kristen T. Harris. And we're back from break. Gennady Stoliel, Rob II, chief man at the Transhumanist Party, is our guest. And I got to tell you guys, you're listening to us on KGRA Radio, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, Hudson Valley, New York. And we're broadcasting out of our uh, studio here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we've been talking about currently UBI and the end of the Federal Reserve potentially due to cryptocurrencies and uh, many other things. But one of the things that stood out to me in the last year is the awareness of the transhumanist party in the movement. Like uh, at the primary uh, primaries we had for the Free and Equal Elections Foundation, Ben Zion took the stage, and I think he somewhat shined bringing awareness on these topics. And since then, um, he's been involved in some other things. But uh, I think that remotely, it's very important to understand there's many different viewpoints in the transhumanist, specifically in the U.S. transhumanist uh, party, for the fact that they're all inclusive. When people say coexist, this is the party of coexisting. Uh, there is a scientific consensus that is uh, trying to wrap its arms around every transhumanist movement, silencing anyone that may offer free thought or things that uh, may be um, you know, adversarial or uh, be a, a, almost like a like 
like they got to own it all in order to have control over the narrative. But one thing is the U.S. Transhumanist Party is growing. They 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 brought up legit topics. They talked about life extensions, uh, curing disease uh, with the latest coronavirus outbreak, all these different things. But uh, the candidate at that time was Johan Benzine. I got a chance to meet him. Seems like a really nice guy. Have had great conversation. In fact, he became one of my close friends during the primary debate. And we had a lot of conversations about how we could work together and further transhumanism because I'm a libertarian. He was more of a left-leaning we'll do quote unquote left leaning techno optimist and he had interest on why uh, a lot of libertarians may have believed certain things and uh you know you guys decided to go and switch um routes a little bit later on right mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, I do want to clarify that Ben Zion ceased being our candidate on June 8th, 2020. So a little more than three months after the Free and Equal Elections Foundation debate in Chicago. And our candidate became Charlie Cam, who had been Ben Zion's vice presidential running mate. He became our presidential candidate in June of 2020. And then he selected in August Liz Parrish to be his vice presidential running mate. And the Cam Parrish 2020 campaign was great. Of course, Charlie Cam is a a film producer. He creates a lot of short, funny, educational music videos about life extension and technological progress. I am the very model of a singularitarian is one of them. Radical life extension is another one of them. Uh, He has one called The Death of Death. And Liz Parrish, of course, we discussed, she's a pioneer in the realm of gene therapy. She is the CEO of BioViva. So we had a great campaign with the Cam Parrish ticket. Unfortunately, it was a bit too short because of how close to the November general election this change had to happen. But really, there was a parting of ways between the U.S. Transhumanist Party and Ben Zion. And those of you who are interested can go to our website at transhumanist-party.org. We have a statement on Ben Zion there. And it's unfortunate because I also think he did a good job at the Chicago debate. Uh, It's just that that perhaps the stresses of the pandemic got to him and uh, he increasingly started making uh, unfounded accusations on pursuing projects that we uh, absolutely cannot approve of, like the uh, Ben Zion burger. But we were willing to let him uh, go his own way. Uh, But uh, we were hoping that he would respect the big tent approach that the U.S. Transhumanist Party has pursued. And you're absolutely right. We're open to a diversity of viewpoints. We allowed nine different candidates, sometimes with very different positions, to run during the primary. And certainly your positions differ greatly from Johan and Ben Zion and from those of other candidates. But we believe in an open playing field where people have the ability to air these ideas. As long as it's civil, as long as it's constructive, uh, we can have debates, we can have conversations, because the future is not set in stone. It is up to us to determine the course of the future. And there are various different policy proposals that could play into that. uh, And no one of us is omniscient regarding how the future may turn out. And I think this is something that Ben Zion didn't understand. Ultimately, uh, for whatever reason, he became very rigid in his thinking. And he thought anyone who is not a uh, radical left-wing advocate of socialized everything uh, is uh, somehow evil. 
and he made very unjustified accusations about U.S. transhumanist party leadership. He even uh, made unjustified accusations uh, about you, uh, unfortunately. And uh, it's difficult to get across the importance of that big tent mentality, the more tolerant mentality that allows people of different views to express themselves as long as they do so peacefully and civilly. But I want to say, I think this is a symptom of the broader political climate. What could have led someone like Ben Zion to slip in this way, to go from someone who uh, was uh, relatively reasonable and articulate to somebody uh, who uh, started lobbying these accusations. I think the general political climate of polarization, of toxicity, of you're either with us or against us, that has been fomented by the pundits, the political strategists, the media on both the left and the right is responsible for this, as it has been responsible with poisoning the minds of millions of other people to the point that they were willing to take up arms and go into the streets or riot uh, and even randomly destroy things uh, just because they disagreed with some position of their opponents. And nothing uh, illustrates that more starkly, in my view, than the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol building, which uh, I was just horrified to observe. And as I was seeing these scenes of essentially a riotous mob invading the Capitol building, threatening to take lawmakers hostage, I had to post on behalf of the U.S. Transhumanist Party that we do not condone this behavior. I called upon all transhumanists to support a peaceful transition of power and to support the American system of checks and balances and not this violent mob rule. Uh, and I know, Kristan, you've had a lot of perspective on these kinds of events because you've been on the ground as a journalist covering, for instance, the Black Lives Matter protests of the summer uh, and also uh, some of these uh, Trump rallies, including the rally that preceded uh, this attack on the Capitol. So I was curious about your thoughts regarding the attitudes of the people in those crowds? And do you see this toxic political polarization as leading to uh, people lashing out in violence, especially the less stable personalities uh, that might be okay in calm times, but uh, who are unfortunately easily incited to do something harmful and stupid like these riots? Well, I think what you're describing here is tribalism gone wrong. And what, when I went to the third precinct in Minneapolis and watched uh, the precinct burnt down amongst many other buildings, I don't believe too many people were personally injured. One or two people were killed in uh, actual like thefts and invasions of their property. Um, Kenosha, obviously, when I covered that event, it was a completely different um like result we saw with the Kyle Rittenhouse and uh, covering protesters. Yes, I did march with BLM for 10 to 12 days covering events after George Floyd uh, left. And I've covered most recently the rise of this uh, right wing Proud Boys dash militia boogaloo movement in the Donald Trump uh, sense of things as well. And the one thing I can say uh, for as far as my perspective is the problem is the same on both sides. Nobody is listening to the protesters and uh, everyone is being painted irrational if they're not accepting whatever the verdict is the mainstream media gives. 
let's not forget the mainstream media isn't the judge or the court, but they are quickly becoming that in the in the mindset of the public where they're literally dictating what people are called, what they can be or what they can't be. I would agree wholeheartedly that in uh, that in uh, Minneapolis and Kenosha, Wisconsin, there was a majority peaceful protesters. But I would also say that in D.C. Uh, as well, in the, both the protests I've been, there was a majority peaceful protesters. The truth is, is nobody made good decisions. I'm an anarchist philosophically, uh, but by that I mean like fishing without a license, getting married without a license, maybe even rolling through a stop sign when nobody is around that, you know, I'm not suggesting breaking the law, but these are, in my opinion, unjust laws. I shouldn't need uh, a license to go fish. That's anarchy. Anarchy is not destroying product. It's not destroying buildings. It's not hurting people. Um, but I can I can resonate with the people of BLM who were not getting listened to, and there was no accountability for what the police were doing. That's where we get the ACAB movement. But what concerns me is a lot of those same individuals this very day are now becoming pro-police during the D.C. movement, which shows that their intention isn't genuine. It's being controlled by mass hysteria and media manipulation, as where I don't agree with anything that happened in D.C. The protesters acted bad. The cop who shot an unarmed female acted incorrectly. Uh, I don't believe they should be listed terrorists. Were some of them acting like that? Maybe some of them should be charged, but I don't think a majority everyone was there to cause an issue. There's still a lot of data that needs to be found on all the scenarios, whether it's uh, Rittenhouse hearing in Kenosha, whether it's not burning down of the third precinct in Minneapolis or what happened in D.C., all of which are unfortunate events. I don't want to see anyone hurt. And for some reason, that's a controversial idea that me as a media personnel who covers these protests, because I have personal beliefs, which I keep out of my reporting, by the way. I try to keep it as bi unbiased as possible. Yes, I have my own opinions. That's why I have the show is so I can spew some of those opinions, but I try to keep my work as pure as possible. That's why I had have people on like Ben Zion, because I think it's important to get an all-inclusive viewpoint. But at the same point, I don't think that anyone handled DC right. Not anyone involved, not the police who allowed people to walk in, uh, invited them in, and then had the chaos that they couldn't control after, as where you would know darn well that they could have probably kept everyone out, locked the doors, and they probably wouldn't have a problem if they wouldn't have invited everyone in. Why this happened? I don't know. People died that day. Three people died from allergic reaction to tear gas and other things. One person was shot that was unarmed by the police. And unfortunately, a police officer died as well, who was hit in the head with a fire hydrant later on that night. And then there's been an offset of crazy suicide since. I don't really know all the facts. I was there. I was there to record history and bring awareness because I believe the reason why people are getting their news from QAnon and all these bizarre sources is that the mainstream media has uh, not been able to form an unbiased opinion. And since everything has been extreme left or extreme right, people are going to extreme places to get their news. It's because they don't trust the mainstream media. It's their fault for not being unbiased and being accurate in their claims and allowing their news to be propagandized, either right or left, that is driving people to these ghettos of the internet like 4chan and 8chan, where they believe in the tooth fairy who's going to save the presidency and arrest all these alleged pedophiles, which we really don't know other than what we've seen through Epstein's Island and the people that might be connected there. That's the only thing that I can think of is that it's, it's really wrong to paint people and be judging. 
It's scary to me that the people that don't want you to judge them are the ones doing the judging because then in that aspect, they become what they hate and they become hypocrites. So mm-hmm. I guess from what I've seen, the biggest thing and change is that we, we need to do is listen to people. On the right, their protest at D.C. was not because Donald Trump told them to and incited a riot, and now they're a riot. But now they're saying it's planned, by the way. If it was planned, how could it be incited by the gov- by uh, Donald Trump, which he was impeached for? And then now they're thinking it was planned, so why was he impeached, et cetera, et cetera. It was because nobody listened to those people. You had Senate hearings where they had the justice say, hey, we're not, we didn't even look or breeze through the evidence of the fraud. We're not saying that there isn't fraud. We're just saying due to red tape and technicalities, we're not looking at it. Was it enough to uh, 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 you know, adjust the election? I don't know. I don't really know because nobody really looked at it in the courts and we didn't get a fair trial. So people feel like they're unheard. What we are hearing, seeing now is the result of government not listening to their people on the left, as in what we saw with George Floyd and um, – uh, what we saw here in Kenosha, and then in the right, it's D.C. with the fraud. No one even cared to look at it, so they feel it's a fraud. Why didn't they look at it? Red tape and technicalities, that's all I know based on the Senate hearings. But then the media comes out and says, there is no fraud. Well, if you don't look at it, of course there's no fraud. And then they come out and use terms like terrorists when and, re- and when people that were burning down buildings were mostly peaceful protesters. We should stay consistent in the terminology we do use to be unbiased and fair. And I think that's why media platforms like the Rundown Live, which is willing to entertain both Antifa, Proud Boy, or anyone, uh, is thriving. Because if you don't listen and you don't have communication between two different viewpoints, all only language that you're going to allow is violence. And that's what we're seeing here in America. If nobody listens and everyone's banned, all that's left is violence. And the question is, is they have to know this in the social engineering aspects of the left and the right. If they start banning people left and right, that there's going to be this offset of people who are going to go to the Internet ghettos and get their news. You know, that's all I got to say on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's wrong to be prejudiced against anyone because of their skin color or their beliefs. I believe weird things, Gennady. And there's people out there that think that you believe some really bizarre things. And I, I can tell you, everyone should be allowed to have those beliefs regardless and debate those beliefs, especially in things like scientific consensus where it's not settled. Uh, we should allow counter uh, viewpoints to do battle so we can have all the data and make good decisions in our life. And it's the same thing with the news. If they don't allow good data, all we get is junk info and we feed our brain and we grow shitty GMO crops in our head, you know, in my opinion. Not saying that GMOs are bad, but in the aspect of Monsanto GMO, it wasn't uh, the greatest thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know. Yes, uh, and thank you, Kristan, for uh, extensively explaining your outlook there. And, of course, I am a supporter of uh, GMO crops, but, yes, there could be issues with certain corporate practices like those of Monsanto. But speaking to the main point, it is extremely important to have open forums for discussion where people are able to air different ideas and different points of view as long as they do it civilly and as long as there's an opportunity to present evidence and compare evidence and engage in rational discourse. The U.S. Transhumanist Party also tries to be this kind of open forum, and that is difficult at times because sometimes we have people who seek to impose their views on others, and that is 
very difficult to respond to because uh, sometimes those people can be, uh, let's say, derisive in how they behave, where they can create uh, a hostile environment. And for me, I think there's a very clear distinction between speech, and I strongly support freedom of speech, and uh, these kinds of uh, attempts to essentially fight uh, troll wars, flame wars on the internet, which some people engage in. So the big challenge with the U.S. Transhumanist Party has been how do we enable a free and open exchange of ideas while keeping these toxic and detrimental behaviors at bay. And I think with any group of people, uh, no matter what their ideology is, one is going to find a mix of people who are earnest thinkers who just want to discuss these ideas. And if they have certain concerns or reservations, they want to air those and they want to feel like they have the ability to do that and the freedom to do that. And then you have some uh, incendiary individuals, the troublemakers, the provocateurs. And in my experience, their behavior arises not so much out of any particular ideology, whether they're left-wing or right-wing or socialist or libertarian or anything else. It arises out of certain personality traits. There are some people who enjoy uh, wreaking havoc. There are some people who enjoy conflict for the sake of conflict. And uh, they may be a small fraction of any given community. They may be one in a hundred or even one in a thousand. There have been certain troublemakers that have, uh, let's say, uh, stayed around uh, transhumanist circles, even though uh, some of them will uh, deride transhumanism or say they're not transhumanists, but uh, for whatever reason, they're uh, obsessed with our movement and they will target it. And that's not because they have any good ideas or good counters to our philosophy, it's because they like causing trouble and this is a way uh, that seems to be easy for them and they'll try to paint other people who are doing something more uh, respectable and constructive uh, in a deleterious way. But I think as long as there's a free exchange of ideas, as long as it's possible for people to present the truth and uh, rational arguments and evidence, those kinds of trolls can be neutralized, which is why they generally retreat to their own communities, like they manage to take over a Facebook group, and they ban any dissent from that Facebook group, and then they spew completely wild accusations and libels that are totally untrue, and uh, try to damage the reputation of good people. And I don't believe that that is a justified approach. I think anytime there's a disagreement, if the parties involved are honest, they should be willing to openly talk about it, and they should be willing to resolve it using facts and logic and evidence. And it's for that reason I don't approve of a lot of the recent deplatforming that has happened with uh, social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter in particular, uh, banning people without due process. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump or QAnon supporters because the ban has expanded far beyond that. Ron Paul, for example, was locked out of his Facebook account in a move that Facebook acknowledged was an error. They were trying to uh, lock out a particular admin. They ended up just locking out the entire account, and then they gave it back uh, to Ron Paul. But 
I've had uh, other situations of people I know who got banned with no explanation, no rationale, no attempt at appeal. And that is troubling to me. Uh, not that the platforms don't have a right to do that, but it does seem arbitrary and capricious. And it's a disincentive from using these social media platforms. I really think people need to find a way in order to have these free exchanges of ideas without the risk of uh, running afoul of these arbitrary systems that allow the trolls to flourish, but ban legitimate speech and debate. Well, you know, what's really interesting is there's nothing really scientific about deleting people you disagree with, because if you were interested and really interested, because I have this debate in the pro anti-vaccination groups and I am pro-choice, meaning that, you know, some I would take, some I wouldn't. But if you're banning the debate, you're not really interested in all the data to make a good decision in your life. Because and if you're not interested in the data, you're only interested in being right. And if you have a real scientific outlook in the the scientific method, you want all the information and all the data to always procure better uh, decisions in your life and an understanding of transhumanism. And anytime anyone says uh, we're going to ban you and we're going to cut out your tongue, that doesn't mean that that they are, uh, you know, that they're banning you because you're a bad person. They're afraid of what you might say, in my opinion. They're cutting out your tongue doesn't mean that that person is bad. It means that you're terrified of what that person may say or may do that way influence the people's viewpoints. And that, to me, tells me that they are very concerned about which way and which direction uh, this wave of uh, political movement is going to go. And in a world where everyone is now looking for anything but the two parties, especially in the left where Bernie Sanders went from first to worst, and the guy that was in fourth went became first, and that's not a rigged election, right? There's no more. There's no more republic. Uh, no more um, real representation of the people when establishment can just put their person in like that, and then have them run against the current guy, which is the orange man we all know to love and hate, and that's Donald Trump. And all that being said, uh, Gennady, we're running. We're coming. We're running out of time. I'd never thought I'd say this, but uh, I wish we could have more time with you. And uh, let our listeners know, if they want to be part of the transhumanist party and that movement, where can they find out more about you? And what is, I guess, what would be the first book? Because I know you're a writer. We didn't even get into the fact that you write books. And what would be the first book, one good book and one good documentary on transhumanism that everyone should look at before joining the transhumanist party? So first of all, I would encourage everyone to join the transhumanist party right away. Go to transhumanist-party.org slash membership. That's our free membership application. It takes less than a minute to join. You're under no obligation. Once you join, uh, we will add you to our email list to apprise you of future votes on uh, crucial policy questions that transhumanists deliberate upon. We have over 3,200 members now in the U.S. Transhumanist Party. In terms of book recommendations, there are so many within the transhumanist community. I would recommend uh, of course, my illustrated children's book, Death is Wrong, that's a good primer on life extension and uh, some questions about its feasibility and desirability, looking at it from the standpoint that I had ever since I was a child, when at the age of five, I decided to devote my life to fighting death. Uh, and then in terms of a documentary film, again, a lot of good films out there. There is a series uh, that I did, uh, well, it's a longer video uh, where 
I assembled some clips together with Bobby Ridge back in 2018 called uh, A Beginner's Introduction to Transhumanism. And you can find that on YouTube. Uh, we outline a bit of the philosophy of transhumanism, as well as some emerging uh, scientific and technological developments. It is an informational video that I think will give people some background on uh, certain key areas of progress within the transhumanist movement. We welcome people of a wide variety of viewpoints and perspectives. We are transpartisan. We're not left-wing. We're not right-wing. We're not socialist. We're not libertarian. We are up-wing. And no matter what persuasions you have, as long as you are interested in using science and technology to improve the human condition, uh, you are welcome within our organization. Gennady Stoliorov, the second uh, chairman of the Transhumanist Party, great guest. Thanks again for joining us on the Rundown Live. If you guys are here, don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We're here Monday through Friday, 9 Pacific, 12 Eastern, three hours daily, Monday through Friday on KGRA Radio. Download the app, kgradb.com, to listen live straight from your cell phone or tablet or TV. You can also find us on YouTube, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and make sure that if you want to hear this full show, you go to one of those platforms or just download the Rundown Live app to your cell phone. It's in Google Play. It's on Amazon. It's on iOS, get our past episodes and go through them all when you drive or do your trip. Uh, and if you, there's any guests you want to hear, show tips at the Rundown Live, let us know who you want to hear on this program. That being said, we appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys and much love. Don't forget to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you love you, that you forgive yourself, and that there's one thing today that you're going to do special for somebody else to change their life or to make it a special day. I'm your host, Chris T. Harris, and we'll see you tomorrow.